we go. Welcome back to Only the Important Stuff. My name is Jeff. Thank you for checking out this podcast. I hope you're all having a great Monday or week or whatever, whenever you are listening to this. This is dropping on uh, March 13th, two weeks into the meteorological spring. I feel like I might have said that right, Uh, which brings tons of memories for me. Spring is, was, and probably always will be my favorite season. You got March Madness coming up, usually the first Masters commercial followed by the Masters, spring training is in full effect, summer right around the corner, and of course baseball starting on, uh, I think this year it's March 30th. So because of that, I want to take a little journey down memory lane for myself with the next few guests I have on uh, to recap, reminisce about baseball, college, and really uh, just kind of a really fun time in my life. So with that, super excited to welcome in one of my really, really, really good friends from college, one-time former teammate, Mr. Trevor Dean, welcome to the pod, El Dino. Hey. How you doing, brother? Doing well. You should clarify when you say teammate. Uh, my my nickname was Rudy because it was all of about one season between either too much drinking, too much, you know, whatever, or just, you know, needing to scrape to get onto the team. But, uh, yeah, you know, washing jerseys, you know, catching fly balls, you know. Did you or did you not? play on the augustana college I, I have baseball a base, team. i have a i have a collegiate base base right. hit and, and it is over and it is over there i have it forever then you are one of my teammates don't there fucking don't be self-deprecating like that son of a bitch uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh you know i used to do a little bit of an intro for people um which i kind of just read off a bunch of stupid shit but i, I i'm not loving doing that anymore trevor so instead i'm really the whole intro is just going to be a a who is trevor dean and we're going to get into all sorts of stupid shit as we're going through this um and just about things uh i remember fondly about my friends so i think first first off right we got to start with where we met freshman year at augie second floor berg soccer hall right uh yep you your room was right next to ross and ted's or one down uh, might have been right next to. We might have shared, yeah, walls uh, with with Weeze, with Mike Weeze and him. Yes, yes. What what made you go to Augie? Why'd you go? My sister, my sister was there, and I couldn't uh, really decide for myself. So a combination of my mom and I looking through a few different things was was seeking a, a degree in sort of business management. I was going to run my own sports bar, motel, or hotel restaurant and uh uh, i had i had gotten accepted at florida state late and decided you know that's probably not good for out-of-state education or tuition um my sister was there i got you know and i had had exposure to the campus before and it was to me you know from smaller town minnesota like you i mean it was it was big enough city to feel like you know I was really, really getting out of there and probably better in the long run because I would have gotten lost at places like University of Minnesota or larger places. So, you know, it, it was nice that it was small enough and kept me on the straight and narrow. For sure. So you, you, apply, you want, you tried to go to Florida State? I got like early or like early enrollments. I was like one of those things where, you know, they'll take a lot of people. And if you're willing okay. to pay that price and show up early, they'll take your money. Sure. Um, and at that point, at that point, it would have been more to go to Florida State than it was the sort of good liberal arts education that that we paid, wow. you know, a handsome penny for 
Uh, and I, you know, I probably would have never been seen, seen, seen him again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good, easy place to get lost, uh, and potentially not survive. Right. Uh, knowing, you know, the shit we got into. So I can't imagine what that scene would have been like there, but yeah, backing up a hair from Morris, Minnesota hails from Morris. Right. Um, what was, what was growing up? How big is Morris? So, uh, 5,500 with, with, and I, I swear they count like the 1500, uh, heads at the, uh, university. There's a university of Minnesota Morris. So there's like, a not a satellite. I don't know what they could sister campus or whatever sure. uh, there for the university of Minnesota, which is where my mom worked and what pulled me there. So I'd say, you know, 4,000, mm-hmm. 5,000. So I think that made his class probably double a probably right in the middle of, uh, for those from Minnesota. Um, sure. and I think it's still sort of probably class two. Right. Yeah. 120 kids ish, 115 probably in my graduating class. Did you enjoy growing up in a small town? Yeah, I mean, to a, to a certain extent, it was. Uh, I didn't necessarily. I got. We had enough fun there that I didn't. You know, we, we enjoyed uh, probably much like uh, you know your experience there. The random state basketball tournaments or stuff. When you got to the cities, like you know, three or four times a year, you could usually either get into enough trouble or it was enough of the big city life that you know it was it was nice being. Um, you know, out there, I had a, I had a girlfriend who lived out in the country. We had trampolines and four wheelers and stuff like that. It was, it was what people expect as far as sort of a, a calmer presence, which was, again, was probably better in the long run for, for my, uh, immaturity in, in some ways. And so, right. yeah, I didn't necessarily have a, have a problem with it. Um, but like I said, to, to me, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, 150,000 or a hundred thousand people seemed like a big step up. So. Um, it was probably good in the long run too there that it was, you know, not too big for us. Right. Yeah. I mean, just contrasting, right? Like where you grew up versus where you're now, right? What would you have rather had as a kid? Not like what you think's better now, but just what would you rather have had as a kid? Small no, town I think, or big I city? Think, I think it worked out better. I think probably I'm kind of uh you know, high anxiety kid. If I'd have been a class of 400 and, you know, in the twin cities or something like that, you know, I'd probably just lose focus and stuff like that. At least, you know, much like with Augustana, you have small enough classes, you have people, you know, you kind of complain as a kid that everyone's in your business and stuff like that. But, you know, in all reality, uh, it's probably a few more eyes keeping an eye on you and, and a little more accountability when you're considering, you know, what I do here is going to impact my parents. And, you know, sure. There's like, there's a good part of it that teaches you either responsibility or, or at least the understanding of accountability. And people are going to, people are going to know what you do. If you, you get into trouble. Yeah. If you fuck up, you're in trouble. No doubt about it. I guess put in the paper which, generally. Yeah. <laughs> which I did. I took my sister's car when I was 14 years old. Thought it was fun to enjoy rides. So I drove it two blocks home. Cause that's how lazy I was bring it. Then realize, well, I can't have the car sitting here at home while my sister gets out of softball bring it back and rear end the, one of the, you know, gym teachers. And, and these are the drama things again, where probably, you know, minuscule in the grand scheme of things, but taught me a lot and, yeah. you know, responsibility and stuff like that, that probably could have been in much more mischief in a big city. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Um, so what was it like your first year of college? Right. Um, just big knowing, dudes. Big dudes, you guys were all big. Big dudes, uh, okay. <laughs> big dudes. Uh, when you when you come and you 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 hit, I think the 
the funniest kind of part about my uh, evolution was I hit the first growth spurt and I was, you know, average or whatever. And so my skill sets at 11, 12 put me in a perfectly good place where I was before Morris. Then I kind of, it, it reminded me of when I moved from Rapid City, South Dakota to, to Morris and, mm-hmm. and there, those guys had obviously, you know, been juicing or doing, they've been on, they were on something. They all had three inches and 40 pounds on me. It was kind of like that. So I, I, I hit that, realized I was behind there. And then the same thing too, which, you know, you got to see from the beginning. I think it grew four or five inches over the course of maybe the first 12, 14 months at college and put on another, you know, 30, 40 pounds and of, you know, probably half beer, gut, half, you know, half muscle or whatever. But um, yeah, when I first got there, whatever, I was glad I was with Weez because uh, Mike Weezman, because, you know, we were both <laughs> probably five, eight, five, nine. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, not too big. But then, you know, running into, yeah, Ross, Ryan, Ted, you, Soma, like, sure. just like, oh, all right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick close with these guys because uh, <laughs> the football player, I don't know if the football players will, will adopt me or I can speak their lingo, but I'll, I'll, I'll stay connected with, with these other guys and have some place to run around with. <laughs> that is not where I was trying to go with this. Um, well, was, then, you, then the funny sophomore year, then I'm with Dunleavy. So, you know, yeah, I was always either the, as tall or taller than my roommate, you know, I tried to keep it hundred percent within reason. Absolutely. No, I guess what I was going to ask was, um, you know, cause I came from small town as well. Really, 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 really rigorous academic institution uh, of Fairmont where I don't think I took a book home after eighth grade. Um, got all my work done at school. So, like, what was, like, walking into college and one that's not, <laughs> you know, easy? What was that like? Because I know for me it hit me in the face. And I was just like, shit. Uh, I I got to work. I we had the luxury. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You realize y- you have to apply yourself more. I think in certain respects, the liberal arts part was better in some ways. I, I probably in some ways, you know, I didn't care for necessarily so much for the religion course and some of that stuff, but a, you know, it allowed you and required you the opportunity to take some one tens, which didn't, you know, always kick you in the face. Yeah. And you were, it was probably, you know, I, I guess I don't know what a non liberal arts is, but the idea if I was taking three accounting courses, which by second or third year business courses were what kicked me in the face. Yeah. Um, I probably would have hit the wall. I eventually hit even, you know, faster. So I think I appreciated the fact that 110 was, you know, those, some of those courses were manageable. And so you were getting a kind of sprinkling of a lot of different topics that probably kept me a little bit more um, interested in some ways than, than getting frustrated with one topic and drilling down maybe too hard, too fast. And sure. So, yeah, I, just, I, I liked it in some ways. And again, it was small enough campus so you could sleep in. Like I didn't, God, heaven forbid going to the U of M and like having to know you were having to drive, you know, shower and drive to go to camp. Oh. Oh, oh, like I loved, I loved it in a lot of ways, especially, yeah. When, when I'd have one of, yeah, you guys from, from the baseball team or something else in my classroom, you could one, you could go without showering or whatever. And you didn't necessarily think that bad. And you could roll out five minutes before class. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was just, I just definitely know it was for me, it was a big eye opener of, okay, this is what education is supposed to be, <laughs> you know, where it challenges you and makes you think about things and you actually, you actually have to study. You don't just get everything. Um, I mean, I remember God, J term freshman year, I think 
I think I took the physics of sound. Ooh, yeah, the music. Or yeah, of music and thinking, man, I well, love. Well, no, I think yeah, it was about music. Yeah, that was. I think I remember that. I didn't take it, but I'm gonna love this. I love music. Hey, this will be easy. And holy shit, like three days into that class, I was like, this is not going to work. Uh, I need to find something else. Dropped that. And I don't think I took another class that J-term because uh, it was too late. So because every day was essentially a week yep. of class. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, that was an adjustment. That was like you, you needed to find the right J-term, which I had the luxury of, yeah, of, uh, you know, World War II course. It's a Coach Holmes you know, baseball course at one point with meter, like I, I yeah, yeah, managed to be ingrained, you know, interested in it because like you said, it, you, you were sitting there for three and a half hours, you know, with a small break. Yeah, that was a, you know, immersion uh, in those things. But um, at the same time, it, it was interesting because you could sit there and in some respects uh, get deeper into a class and what you, you maybe can't uh, into some sort of uh, discussion debate or other opportunities in a 15 minute class. But sure. Yeah, I, I I adjusted by just never taking J term classes again. I think I did. I think sophomore year I took golf, <laughs> which was nice, uh, and that was yep. taught by uh, I think that was taught by Heinitz, so not even the mm-hmm. golf teacher. And then so, junior year I took snowboarding, <laughs> and then senior mm. year I did not take one again. <laughs> I was just like, uh, you know, cramming that much into it, it was just too much for me. I didn't want to. I didn't yeah. want to play that and game. Yeah, none of none of us really, you know, traveled. That that was another opportunity it provided. I, I don't necessarily regret it too much because I just either didn't have the money or didn't have that passion or interest at the time. I travel more now and find it interesting. But I know a lot of other people's. It was uh, the the way they structured J term was a, an interesting. I, I had one friend who, yeah, she went to the Philippines, I think, or Taiwan or something. I was like, yeah. You know, Allie was, you know, scuba diving and doing stuff. So it, it worked for, you know, some folks to, to go other places. Um, for us, you know, it was also probably right in the heart of, you know, ass-kicking uh, conditioning. So, yeah, yeah it was not, not sure. always – it was either nice because, yeah, you, you'd have to get up uh, and then you could go back and sleep for three hours because maybe you had an afternoon or an evening one. But, yeah, if, mm-hmm. you, if, you, had, if you were dumb enough to do baseball conditioning and then have a morning J-term class, you probably wanted to – poke yourself in the eye by about nine thirty, ten o'clock. But yeah, hundred um, percent. when you, when you ask about like the experience of Augie, it, it, it ha- helped to, uh, I mean, they literally took attendance and stuff. I mean, there was only 25 people in a class. Like it, it was, the accountability and was there too for that, whether you liked it or not, they'd call on you. Uh, you know, yep. they'd take attendance and a certain amount of that was factored in and they kind of, uh, baked in, a certain amount of engagement, whether you wanted to or not, you were kind of bought in and it wasn't cheap. And uh, I wasn't one of those people who uh, I had one, I had one friend. I don't know if you remember Laura's but she had literally calculated with how much we paid tuition, how much every co- like the cost of every single class. And so when I tried to get her to skip or something like that, she'd be like, no nah, man, that's $120 like down the drain. I'm like, <laughs> that's fair. That's one way to look at it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's that's the responsible way to look at it. <laughs> and Lord knows I was not responsible in college. So freshman year comes and goes. We go to seventh floor Grand Scow. Right? Seventh floor Grand. Like you said, you moved in with Dunleavy. I think I moved in with Wheeze. Um, and that year is also the year you introduced me to the Matrix. 
Oh, I didn't know. I did. I thought. Well, we watched it together, definitely. And then I remember just sprinting for my life <laughs> through, through the, the rectangular hallway trying to avoid the, uh, I don't know what you call it, that sort of uh, floating scissor kick. I remember you tried, <laughs> yes. you tried to perfect that uh, a number of times. And I thought to myself, uh, one one kick is enough, but I think uh, I think Keanu Reeves had special effects. But yes, that was. I just mentioned Estella. That uh, I got to go back and, and look at it again. But we've been talking about movies that sort of either change our lives or like eye opening. And I'm like, I got to show you this. Yeah. Well, so you hadn't seen it before. I think you, I had not. So yeah, we watched it together. Uh, I think it was on. You had like downloaded on it. On your computer, you got the DVD or some not a DVD. We weren't rich. Let's not be no. Uh, let's not be, but you know. But I did discover credit cards. So maybe I don't know if I had at that point, but that was another lesson of. Yeah, we, we valuable should, or painful lesson of. We'll definitely get into that. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I, we watched the Matrix. I chased you around the halls, um, trying to kick you like Keanu Reeves, and you successfully avoided. I think the vast majority of them. Uh, so good on you. Good on you. Yeah. It, uh, it was nice. I, I, I really enjoyed the, the, I mean, I loved living off campus with us too. And that was probably better because then you got away from the jackasses or whatever that were like inevitably, you know, causing chaos or whatever, but it, it was nice. There was always someone around. You can find something to do. Sure. Um, and the other thing that, that would stick out too is the, the, um, probably obscene amount of dominoes. Like between our between our credit that we'd get with our meal plan or whatever, yeah, Domino's, and then we graduated to Little Caesars and the five dollar yes. pizza. That was at yes. that was at Moon Tower. Yep. We'll get into that, but yeah, no, I think yep. that was when you know, honestly, so so all that aside, Trevor was really probably my first like video game buddy. Um, we got hard, we went hard and deep um, playing video games in college, and like you always had like the latest system. Uh, I remember when you, I remember when you had like the Gamecast or the Dreamcast. Yep. Was that what it was called? Yep. It was yep. like Dreamcast, NBA Two K. Yep, football. It was one of Sega's last sort of runs. They they were sweet. They were sweet graphics at the time, and then eventually PlayStation managed to. Yeah, and then PlayStation sort of, came out, and NCAA football hit the mm-hmm. scene. Well, uh, yeah, you say that, but we would still, because, you know, Ross and Ryan, like, some of the folks weren't as advanced or whatever. There would still be a lot of GoldenEye. Oh. There would be plenty of, of Mario Kart and GoldenEye. Fuck yeah. Uh, Friday with, and with Saturday the N64 night. crowd. Yeah. But, but you but you had tiers. You had tiers of people. Like, you and Ted, like, there were people I could plug in the sports games and have a, an actual game. Uh, and, then, and then the ones who knew not to even, like, pick up a controller if it was hockey or like you said or, or ncaa or something like that but yep. yeah we played quite a bit uh and then it was awesome we could save the seasons and stuff and like yeah i mean we, we played for a while but then we would just between different the phases of our number of years uh God, we had i think we had four guys going at one time or whatever and it was just it was so bad because you had to like somehow play them in order so we'd be like yelling at someone to get off their ass and play their game but it it, it was cool in a way because we'd set up in different parts of the country mm-hmm. and then and then we'd sit for two weeks play our seasons and then it'd come down instead of you know playing each other every day for peanuts or whatever it, then it got serious once you were like yeah. the whole season was on the line what was your team when we would do dynasty god why did i think did i have t, not tcu probably some sort of widespread because god knows you couldn't take the gophers back then 
Uh, I would have taken Florida State if I ever could, but you and I, you know, yeah. we try to do avoid to a certain extent the, yeah. the five star teams. I I don't know why I want to say TCU, but it, that's not right. I don't remember. It sounds right. Always, that yeah. sounds right. It really does. I was always Arizona State. Yeah, um, so the second tier, like once you got past the USC's and the four states and yep. the Miami's of the of the world. Um, so yeah, we hunted out a lot of different sort of mid level level teams. They always somehow probably had to have some kind of quarterback who could move. I, I don't think I probably would have ever, you know, taken a very stationary quarterback, which sure. again nowadays is everybody. But well, I, that was just the time, man, when you could you could create a player, put him on your dynasty. Right, so you'd always start off with one stud, and that was also back when the game had massive glitches, and so you could just bring like one of the outside linebackers to the edge, and I mean you'd have nine, ten sacks a game. You could win the Heisman with a defensive player, right? So you could you could easily build your team up quickly. And I know we might be boring people with this, but this was dude, these were this was like what we lived for. Uh, when yep. we were juniors and caught was playing dynasty in NCAA. I mean, dude, I almost like, I almost like failed out of college that year. I was yeah, so hard. We, into we, it. We, yeah. Thankfully Teddy played other games. So I, I had, yeah, I had different people for different ones. And yeah, nowadays, uh, as I get into it, it, it probably evolves quite a bit with like the season or whatever. I, I'll mm-hmm. only get one or two different games in a given year but yeah. it'll almost be season oriented, but not, not us. We play, we, the N, or NCA was the exception. That right. was a 12 year. I mean, cause but once in a while, every other year we'd get uh, NBA 2K or, you know, we'd get Tiger Woods or yeah. we'd get something to add to the collection. But, um, but yeah, we played Tiger. I feel like for sure for a while, Mash that the only, the only year round was we get bored with baseball. We did, we did baseball almost every year too. We played for, you know, a few months, but, yeah, NCAA was probably the only twelve month a year. Absolutely, and we never played. I never played Madden. Like I, it's been such adjustment since twenty fourteen. And yeah, I, I hadn't told you my yeah my PS three finally. Well, it's not the well. I think it is the lens in the PS three. I haven't been able to play my fourteen game for about six months now because I'm still playing it. I was still playing it. Oh, up really? Six months. So oh yeah, that's wild. I found mine the other day, like going through an old box, and I was like, oh shit, I wonder if this still works. So you know when when it like won't read it or whatever it stops spinning the disc. Yeah, I, I, I know there's a fix for it. I'll, I'll need to figure it out. But, but I never did. If you've seen, I've never did the what do they call them? Uh, not revision or something like that. But some of these guys they've like I don't know if rewired their PlayStation or whatever. But they've gotten like today's graphics somehow. With I don't know they've huh. revamped. That's what they call it. Wow. But you know- it, it just it. Um, I, I didn't get into it at that point. And then I was excited and, and still am, I think, you know, next year. No, a year from. I was going to say it's 12. coming out in 24, right? 24 is, but they said 23 before. So fingers crossed, but right. we'll see. Yeah. It'll, yeah, it'll be, a, it'll have been 10 years and it will, um, I, I will probably, I will probably live down here uh, in the basement. I will probably take like a week's off of work and just. Absolutely, dude. Cause like you said, uh, uh, I probably in college started with the whole like new game holiday. My wife knows it or knew it well when I first started dating her, <laughs> there were, there were days and literally off work or whatever, like new day, new game day. Not working. Leave me alone. Not working. Leave me alone. I got to go in the basement, uh, jam out to Lincoln park 
and uh oh yeah you and i haven't talked about that yeah do a dynasty uh yeah yeah, that was like that was our mo that was our move uh you'd be doing laundry or vice versa i'd be doing laundry the other be playing a game fast forwarding weeks we'd go through a season but it was cooler it was cooler once we got out of the dorms for sure um even when we didn't live together that one year it was uh it was nicer because we probably upped our tv a little bit uh again probably the credit cards yeah so you know maybe not much but we did um better better chairs at some point we probably had to like uh either beg our parents or somehow you know well you always had the recliners. a little bit better you always had the recliners mm-hmm. you were rocking those i remember that you had the one that had like the the cooler and uh did it ha- did i have it- one now it, it it fritzed out but yeah i probably had a, a little bit of a modest massager and then it, yeah i had a like a six-pack cooler uh, that could just keep stuff cold it wasn't supposed to be on all the time but no the one yeah the one i had too uh, it did have a phone. Remember landlines? It had yes, a phone. Yes, that's right. That's right. I was going to say it had something else besides the cooler in it. But we didn't. But we didn't. Even then. Yeah, we didn't really use a phone. I don't. I don't. Yeah, maybe I did initially. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I put a premium on being comfortable while we while we play. Like, <laughs> hey. And then, and then Ted always took it. Then I. Then when we were at, especially at Wilbur's house, uh, I'd be on the futon. He'd be. He'd always take. But yeah, we we uh, separated a little bit, and we created essentially like three mega houses or like super teams. Yes, um, ours was a little further away, but it was it was it was good times. It, it allowed allowed for um, other mischief and things like that. But for sure, um, surprised we didn't burn more of that or any of them down. But no, they were they were good times. Well, so yeah, so you you moved in. Uh, with like Ted and a couple of basketball players your junior year, and Wilbur, Wilbur, Ted, and Donlevy, and uh, and I was and I, I was in the basement. So it was just you four. Yep. Okay. We 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 probably taken ba- basketball player spots. I can't remember now exactly because obviously it was Wilbur. Yeah. Uh, but one well, Donlevy was on yeah. the team then too. Correct. Uh yeah, I don't know. He, he was, was the third year, but yeah, year. yeah. So Ted upstairs, those two were on the ground floor, and then uh, I had, I mean, an open-ended basement. Like there was not yeah. much. I don't even think there was a door at the top of the stairs. And I had a futon, and yeah. I had a bar, kind of like I'm enjoying now. And it was, it was Absolutely. nice. It was chill. And then, then when the Holly Bro boys left, and Mess Mitch Messer left, you and Dunlevy came to live in the Moon Towers. You know, lived and in you, the basement for a while and then lived in Salmo's room once he left. That's right. There was a bar downstairs at the Moon Towers, too, and I just rolled out some remnants or something. I mean, that was a cave, literally a cave. The the, the walls the walls were rock. Were set. Yeah, it's like Flintstones. Literally, they were rock. Like, I think someone just poured, like, they dug a hole, and instead of, like, creating a foundation for a basement, they yep. just poured concrete in it. And the concrete hardened on the wall. And, I mean, it was a, essentially a dirt wall, but it had some concrete, like probably a half inch of concrete over it. So ridiculous. But you made that place cozy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We made it. Uh, yeah, we fit. The, and then, yeah, in almost any case, like you said, the, uh, the other essential was probably some sort of bar fridge. You know, made mm-hmm. sure we had a fridge. We didn't have to, you know, go too far. So those were always close. But now that I, re- now that I remember it, I had the only, the shower um, in the house was downstairs. So everybody came down once a day in their towels. Like that was 
whatever. And then I think I had the, I must have had the washer dryer, I think, at Moon Towers. You did have, yeah, the washer so th- there dryer. Was, there was always some communal, you know, connection to where oh, I was for sure. staying. But, um, yeah, it was, that was nice. And then, yeah, we were just across the street from campus. Again, um, that's the only, that's the part I hated about Wilbur's was having to drive. It being, you know, right there across the street from campus was. It's fucking glorious. It was nice, man. Uh, it was like living on campus, but, you know, having the freedom to do whatever the hell you wanted. And and then, funny enough, I mean, once you kind of left there and see some other places, especially like when you say compared to, you know, like the house I lived in on Capitol Hill, um, you know, was his name Reed? He wasn't quite the slumlord. I mean, he ran it into the ground. He kept running it into the ground. But the, I've seen worse, or I've seen whatever. Are you serious? But, no, I mean... That place wasn't that bad. It, it could have been. Trevor, it got tore um, down. Worse. It got tore down two years after we oh. left. <laughs> oh, I know. I know it got torn down eventually. That bad. But, well, that's because, yeah, he was definitely not going to put more into it. But, um, and you're right. We, I mean, we didn't necessarily see what was behind the behind the walls. But I just, yeah, I've seen, you get to some of these townhouses on Capitol Hill. They're, they're, and, and rats and stuff like that. But that might oh, just sure. be city life. Yeah, that's definitely but, big um, city. But we had we had a big parking lot. We were all yeah. in the corner. It was a notorious house. I mean, it was oh slip for and slide. Sure. I enjoyed some of the funnest parts was once we started staying for summers. Yes, remember going across the street and playing like wiffle ball uh, on the bocce. I wouldn't call it like the green, but it was up against that one dorm where all the smart kids stayed. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, just playing wiffle ball. Uh, you, me, Phil. I mean that that was a blast of a summer, man. That was a blast yeah. of a summer. And then we had the and we were kind of on a perch on the hill. So when we did the slip and slide, you're like taking your own life in your hands to a certain extent. But yeah, I, I think we. Oh God, I, I forgot about I, that. I don't even know where. Um, yeah, and then after you guys left, I, and I'm sure you came back or you you saw it at one point. We put we put like a little love seat on a table. We had stadium seating my last year, where we had like two. I mean, the kid. Yeah, kids will come up with. Oh, kind of for, sure. Things when... for sure. Um, but yeah, so we we lived together senior year. You were also the guy. You're the guy who brought music to Rock and Field. Tried to. No, you did. I mean, we had walk ups. Well, yeah. yeah, with our with our you know little systems and stuff. It's it's. I haven't been back in a while. I'm sure it's all laced with speakers and everything. But yeah, we wanted to we wanted to have some music. Some. I mean, we didn't even have PA's when you guys started. When we started, no. Like you weren't announced. You just correct. I mean, and we didn't, and it's not like we put out day of starting lineup. So you could like follow it in a, like follow. No, you just had the roster. You had, we printed a roster for the weekends things and you could just, you know, as a, you know, parents knew stuff, but anybody else. Um, so yeah, eventually we wanted, cause we got that crow's nest uh, at one point then. Yes. And we said, you know what? Damn it. We had a, we brought you. Announce people and play some music. Fuck yeah, that like that made me feel like we were big time. And I know it was just like we burned, you know, back when you could burn CDs off Napster, yes. LimeWire, or whatever the fuck, right? But everybody picked their song, and everybody had their walk up music, you know, come in from the bullpen, whatever, right? It was just, yeah, it felt like we were another level. It felt like we we had reached uh, the pinnacle. 
Yeah, and, and probably one of the best. And I remember we were toying with it because the opening was too long, and you, you, I don't remember the title of it, but you know, the long corn run yeah, up blind. Are you? Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, blind. And I like wanted it. I'm like, Fuck, there's no way Jeff's gonna take this long to get to the mound, or like, we, like we can't fit this in between innings. Like, because the opening oh, yeah. is like 60 seconds. So I tried to find a way. But then if you go into, if you try to compress it to where you hit the, you know, mm-hmm. are you ready? Um, it's pretty loud. But yeah, that was one of my favorites. And then I'm sure, yeah, I, I seem to remember like Durst, you know, yeah, we didn't try to have Lincoln Park or Durst. And then we'd sit there and freak out about a couple swear words or be nervous. <laughs> that was the nice thing about corn is because you could get the head banging in there without necessarily. For sure. The cursing. Yeah. Especially with blind. Whiskey in the jar. Whiskey in the jar. Yep. Yeah. What that was another one we blasted? Andy came up to. Uh, I think we did. I think we gave him some Metallica. We also gave him the Imperial March from Star Wars. So sweet, dude. Um, yeah, that was awesome. And then, yeah, like you, you, you said earlier, you were on the team. Was it our senior year or junior year? Junior year. That's right. Um, then I was at, then I was asked to take a, a semester off. It was suggested to me to take some time, reevaluate my priorities. But yeah, so I got to I got to walk on after after doing work study and and washing the the clothes and things like that. I got a a chance to you know walk on and had my jersey and twenty two and everything. Still have my hat. It's, it's hanging up over there. And hell yeah, um, didn't, didn't didn't change a lot because you know wasn't gonna you know play too much, but. Um, it was, yeah, it was nice. It was, it was actually partaking in the drills and things like that and facing, I think Ross and Ryan might've still been there. Cause I remember, they I were. remember finding out what a slider was. Yeah. Cause I don't think I'd ever seen one. I remember both, you know, the real life, you know, you guys throwing the sliders. And then I remember that God awful, Oh, that fucking wiffle ball. Like it wasn't a wiffle ball. It was a, it was a pitch machine. You know, we'd sit in the racquetball. Yeah. Yeah. That, that thing was, I mean, it wasn't even that nasty. It was a normal slider, but to somebody who, one, hadn't been playing regular baseball for sure. a couple of years. Uh, oh, I can just, I can hear it. I can hear the ball, go, the ball going past me and hitting the back wall of the racket. But, like, there, there's two sounds. You either make contact and you get, you know, the good <laughs> sound, or it's the thud. Yeah. It's behind you. Kind of like a mitt. Absolutely. It, you know, it's almost an artificial mitt. It's yeah. Like, oh. And and when machine. it and when it's right, Jugs. yeah, when it's right in your ear, right when that crack is in your ear, it's it's jarring, right? Because you know you're if you're a fan, you're used to hearing that you know from a from the stands from twenty thirty feet away. You don't realize how like sharp and loud that is when it's two feet from your fucking earlobe. And yeah, when yeah. when that thing whizzes by you and just cracks a mitt or cracks a wall, you're just like God. Damn it, that is fast. <laughs> and yeah. I and I had been able to to pull it off at, at that point. Um, you know, I I didn't have that many at bats or that long switch hitting, but I managed to you know give it give it a try. And yeah, yeah, I have I have the peak and the depth. So like I have two two distinct memories because I also booted a ball in like the one game I I started. But I got the yeah the base hit from the left side, uh, Apo nice. spray, um, and I think pinch hit and then I got yeah to start a game it was like Crookston or something like that and 
I was probably it wasn't even a slider, probably just a shitty curveball or something like that. Uh, but the bat left my hands and and it hit the fence right in front of Liz. So I managed to like look sweet. I looked good in my hit. And then the the it was probably the second game of the doubleheader or something. McCabe or yeah, it was maybe probably McCabe put me out there. And I got yeah, I booted a ball at second, and I ended up striking out twice and throwing tossing my bat unintentionally <laughs> against the back. But you know, I was gonna say what was, I was gonna ask you what were your favorite memories? <laughs> well, the top to the bottoms, but and then I mean the you know the different because I yeah I didn't go on any of the spring trips or whatever, but the just you know we're just gluttons for punishment. I just. It's it's tough being a baseball fan and being a player and stuff like that. I was telling I was telling Stella the other day, uh, my daughter, that you know there would be a month of inside. Like depending on the weather, you could be inside for a month. One, even after this, like not necessarily the season starts, but like for sure once you start playing for the year. Yeah, it's just you know, and then and then yeah, you just die, you died for those nice days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because we played in a lot of cold days too. Even when we got outside, uh, it's just not a great play. The prairie is not the no. easiest place to be a, uh, no. a, a baseball player. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, yeah, man. I mean, those were, those were super fun memories, right? Just, just again, like, you know, Ross asked me like, what were your favorite memories? And mine were always like of all of you guys playing, right? I remember those games. I remember that, right? Like we were all rooting. I remember when you came in and got that pinch hit, like that was like, we won the college world series, right? Because you were essentially our Rudy, right? And I don't mean that disrespectfully by any stretch of the imagination. Like you, you, you had to work to get on the team and you made the team and you got in and you got your opportunity and you got a hit. And we were just like, fuck yeah. You know, like it was the greatest experience, you know, of our lives watching you succeed. Mm -hmm. Right. And those were, those were the ones that like, I got super pumped about. I honestly hardly remember anything I did in college, like from a playing perspective. It's all like watching Andy hit four bombs at like Northern Iowa, right? Watching Ross. Wil- Wilbur batting practice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was that suit, suit morning side, I think. I can't remember where that was. I, I drove down, I think. I don't know. Or Omaha or somewhere. Yeah. And I, and I don't think I, I don't know that I saw it. And it was just like this legend. It was like it was like these things when you watch these baseball documentaries, and they're like, you know, Ted Williams did this, and you're like, Matt Wilbur did what? Like yeah. people stopped moving during, and he's just cranking them out. But just put yeah, on a show, and, and it was, <laughs> yeah, and it was nice because uh, they got better and better. Uh, again, I think we all thought you guys and we we were good and whatever, and then you you know you head to Mankato and you find out how good you are, uh, for sure. you know, in a four four game set and things like that. But the program built, and it's. I, I don't know if we were the building blocks or whatever, but um, it's it was exciting to see, especially, yeah, because I was one more year after you guys uh, were done. And, yeah, I think that's when they won the NCC. And yep. that was – that was uh, For sure, man. Like, you yeah. know, not to pump our – you know, toot our own horns or pump ourselves up, but, I mean, you know, I talk to Kirsch on occasion, and he says without a doubt, right, like, our class coming in and like gave the program some legitimacy, which then allowed it to build and build and build and build, you know, obviously it wasn't like one year after we left, they won a national title, but again, you know, they win the, you know, we make the conference title our senior year 
or conference mm-hmm. uh, tournament, first time in tournament. twenty plus years. Then they win it the next year, and then you know, then they get the new field and like so on and so forth. Yep. And you know, yeah. So it's it, you know, I'd like to, I like to put a little feather in my cap with that. You know, am I directly yeah. responsible? No, but I know we helped. Um, speaking of drinking out of the August nice. baseball koozie, I mean, this is retro, dude. It's got the AC on it. Correct. The AC, right. which is way better. I, I, I haven't seen anything with AU, but I wouldn't necessarily like it. But and I, and I shouldn't say even when I mentioned, you know, getting beat at Mankato, the reason I say that is because we started beating teams that Augustana wasn't used to beating. Like we'd go Correct. pick one off at, at Brookings or, you know, split with Vermillion or something like that. And people were taking notice. It's, but it's just like, you know, your experience. And then, then you go see the, you know, you go see dad. And then they smack you around a little bit, but yeah, sure. we were in games. We were in games, and we thought we were in series um, that they hadn't. They didn't seem like they had been taken as seriously, or we had been taken as seriously before. Right? And yeah, built and built. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think one of the other like super cool things about you, Trevor, which I always appreciated, was you were always willing to have an argument with someone. Um. I always loved and respected it, right? It, you know, honestly, probably helped mold my like argumentative skills uh, to some some respect. You know, we'd argue, and it was about everything, right? Um, mm-hmm. Probably most passionately about politics, but we'd get into any and everything. Most of the time, sports, politics, whatever it was for the day. Um, was that always something that you? Kind of did with all of your friends, and it didn't matter who you were talking to, right? Big guy, small guy, girl. You know, boy. Some of them, yeah, some of them to a certain extent. Um, I probably got worse as I got older, believing that I was going to change, you know, people's minds or whatever. But I'm sure <laughs> I was probably doing one of two things. I, I know because I've wrestled with this as a psychological thing with my wife and whatever. When you're like yourself, you know, you're the little brother to a sister or whatever. And, and yeah. maybe, that, you know, and she might be the, the pride of, of the thing or whatever. I just, I wasn't listening to a lot. I had to fight you know, to have my voice heard. So if it was louder, if it was more often, if it was probably confrontational or if it was opinionated, it was probably well, one. It is, you know, the process of my thought, like, you know, being a knockoff of my father, you, if you had seen him, that was the, the exact same thing. But yeah, I was probably uh, over time just trying to compensate and, and get my uh, opinion known. And then I know over time when I'm sure it happened then too, is, um, you, you got to have opinions or thoughts or things like that. You got to have somebody that will challenge, like challenge them. I, I'm not saying I took a contrarian opinion that I didn't hold in order to start a thing, but uh, I did manage to, I guess, be lucky enough for none of my friends for the most part, like none of us had other than Minnesota and we'd argue about our Minnesota teams, but like some, um, Growing up in Minnesota, you usually had to have some sort of other favorite players or other teams within reason, you know. So, and but none of them were ever the same. So, like my when I high school, it was like the Fab Five guys, like my, a couple of my friends. So I got to argue with them about that. I I was more UNC or something else. Sure. And so, just inevitably, I, I wouldn't take a different opinion, but I'd probably have one. And then, yeah, I think to a certain extent, um, well, I wasn't necessarily doing anything good for anybody else. But if, if you're going to argue, then I'm going to like hold you to it. And we can have it. And I was convinced of, of other things. Now, you know, wheezing in, telling me that Bill Clinton uh, enjoyed J- George H.W. Bush's economy. He can, you know, continue to this day, believe that he's full of shit. But, um, you know, 
anything else, if it was Ricky Henderson, you know, what we think of Ricky Henderson or Barry Bonds or this or that, or who is better or whatever, that's, um, you know, all of them within reason, there is no like right answer. That, that is the right. other messed up part, but, but we would have some of those. And, and I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this, just the, the technology and the phones that were on and stuff like that. We probably wouldn't have argued as much if we could have just fact checked it like right there, like we can now. It doesn't seem like it happened, but like, no, no, no. Ricky Anderson did this. Like, here it is. Or for sure. You know, um, I thought about our road trip, but I'd be like, God, it would have been nice to have a freaking map of our fucking smartphones so that we didn't keep lapping around the Pentagon yes. 16, 17 times, for example. Yeah. Um, but I'm also glad we didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? It helped in a lot of ways. For sure. Like people, you see them nowadays, like when people get challenged on things and they're not like confident in them, in it, you can see them crumble. Um, whereas back then, like there was no way to determine whether or not you were right or not. So you had better fucking believe it and be prepared to defend your situation or your, your take if you're going to have a conversation like that versus I think so-and-so is better. No, I think so-and-so is better. And then everybody goes to their phones and they're like, well, he hit 380 and blah, blah, you know, and they're, they're doing it by breeding Google versus yeah, being able to convince well, you know, someone yeah. through, you know, their oratory skill. Well, you know, I was, I was obviously also a Mark either. I, I either made myself a Mark or I was, you know, uh, otherwise a Mark as far as, you know, running my, either running my mouth myself or, you know, Ross and Ryan or those guys wanting to, to, you know, uh, get me riled up. And so, yeah, you, you're put in a situation where, uh, I, I think to a certain extent compared to some others, I probably got more respect for enduring some of what I endured either physically or verbally or intellectually. Cause I just wasn't going to take shit from anybody. Like, right. you know, you would, you would get owned by that crew. If you just back down or whatever else you would get owned for sure. Um, and again, I, I always like respected how you would, you know, somebody bark, you'd bark back and it was fucking, and you were good at it. And again, I, I think some of my, some of my fond memories are just you and I arguing about random shit. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned, and, uh, you've mentioned credit card debt a couple of times. So, I mean, we have to mm -hmm. talk. So we've, we've taken some trips together probably. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't even like put this on my fucking list and I, I cannot believe I didn't put it on my list. But as soon as you said credit cards, I was like, holy shit. Um, we graduate college or you did Charlie and I did. You had a year to go. I gotta get my, yep. And we decide they're giving out credit cards like candy at a doctor's office. Let's take out some credit cards and let's go on a like 12 day trip to Cleveland, Boston, New York, DC. We go anywhere else? I think that was it. Yeah, I was I was trying to think of the the full list because I yeah, we definitely went to yeah, Boston. I was oh, trying to remember Atlantic did, City. But Yep, Atlantic City. Yeah, there were probably six, eight um, places. We yeah, we didn't stop anywhere until Cleveland for the most part. I'm not sure how we passed Chicago, but yeah, we identified home baseball home stands. Well, we saw yeah uh, at Andy play. So essentially, we oh, went yeah. because Andy was playing, 
and it was right after nine. It was after, it was the following year after nine eleven, and I think we we wanted to like we wanted to see Ground sure. Zero. We wanted to see the Pentagon. Yep. But yeah, we went. We stayed with Sam Law for a night. We went to Albany, New York. That's right. Yeah, we. So yeah, we stopped in Cleveland, and I mean we are how like stupid we were right aside from financing this entire trip without jobs um mm-hmm. you know stayed at motel Rolled in the Pontiac, right did we raise the Pontiac bonneville yeah we Took were in the, the white bonneville. bonneville yeah we were in the bonnie uh with with a tv vcr setup and we had the playstation back there so like Correct. whoever wasn't riding shotgun or the two people could be in the back playing video games watching a movie while one person was driving super smart um yep inventive i would say on our part um but staying in motel sixes for like 30 dollars mm-hmm. a night but yeah go to cleveland uh rock and roll hall of fame we didn't catch an indians game correct they weren't home like and i think that dictated a lot of the trip as well um but yeah so we 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 hit up the rock and roll hall of fame and then we bounced up to boston or no we went to albany first and, we probably went to Troy, yeah, right outside Albany. And uh, the Tri City Cats, Mud Valley Cats, cats huh? Mud Cats. No, Valley Cats. Valley Cats. It's a valley. I'm pretty sure it's the Valley Cats. That's a terrible team, okay. Andy. Am I am I going to make people sick if I move around here? I guess. I guess. I'm I not showing anybody no? this, but yeah, there it is. Oh yeah, VC, VC. Valley Cats. They were the Tri Cities or something else. Uh, Troy. Schenectady, uh, Schenectady, yeah. No, Albany, no, no, no. We drove by Schenectady because we could not stop saying the name Schenectady. That's right. Okay. Well, it's <laughs> Troy, Albany, and something else. It's a Tri Cities, and I have, I have some of our road trip. Oh yeah, shit! Look at that. Yeah, that's that's where we said Pedro. Yep. There are two iterators. That. Um, yeah, oh. just a couple. Of oh yeah, and Cooperstown. Whole, first time to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we went to Cooperstown. So, yeah, we hit Cooperstown, Andy, watched him play. Uh, then went to Boston, got to watch the Twins play the Red Sox, and we saw Pedro pitch, sat in the outfield. Two-hitter. Yeah, fucking two-hitter. One guy, Christian Guzman, lined. Uh, he was the only guy to touch second base. He, he managed to hit an oppo, I think it was oppo, right down the first base baseline. Um, and I remember, I don't know if they were all Dominican, but he had a he had a he had a Caribbean crew out and right with us. Yes, who were jacked. Absolutely, and yeah. They were sober, sober jacked. I think. <laughs> but yeah, like just sitting out in the fucking bleachers of Fenway, uh, shirts got, off in the sunburned. dead of summer. We got sunburned bad, and badly, got, and had a few beers. <laughs> badly, uh, walked around Boston a little bit, and then we uh, and we headed down to New York. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, we didn't stop anywhere in between. No, we we pulled into New York City, uh, stayed at our hotel, caught a Yankees game, did ground. I can't remember where we stayed, but I know we wouldn't have stayed. So Yankees are in that time. It was old Yankee Stadium. Yep. Like we weren't staying up there. We must have stayed like Midtown somewhere because yeah, I remember we went up and then yeah, we parked on the top of a building. I mean, all of these are new experiences just to, sure. to a certain extent. Like. I had parked at a garage in you know next to Target Center or you know yeah. whatever once or twice and even that sometimes went haywire. Yeah. But these were different. We were, oh the one time I remember too and, and I think it was valet and we're like we're giving these this dude my my keys. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is insane. This is insane. Like, what if he I just steals our car? <laughs> Correct. Um, what are we going to do? Yeah, caught caught a Yankee game, and I remember having just a super fun experience there, right? The Yankees fans were super cool to us. Oh, because the Twins were playing there, too. Mm, no, was that A's. was Oakland. That was Oakland. Yeah, you're right. It was Oakland. Um, but we and had. I think, and it was a good Oakland. I mean, we saw a good. Uh, the Yankees were, yeah, pretty good. I mean, we saw four, four good teams. That was, that was, so we would have graduated. So that would have been August of 2003. So technically, maybe a year after the money ball season. Um, but there were some good players on that team uh, that were good. I think we saw Zito pitch. We saw Tejada. Yeah. I remember seeing Tejada. Um, yeah. And then the Yankees. I mean, that was the Jeter and Yep. I mean and more Mariano got to see him. They come were only a couple of years from their World Series. Yep. Well, they would have they would have went that year. So then that would have been all three. That would have been the the Boone beat Pedro. No. Wakefield. We went no two. Yes. Trevor. You're right. It was the year after you're right. Year after nine eleven. So who was that? That would have been That was Yankees. That would have been a money ball year. Was it? I think that was the money ball year because I think John B might have been playing for the for the Yankee, for the yeah Yankees. Yep, I'm almost certain that fall ended. Yeah, we we beat the money ball A's. Posky caught the fly ball. We depict that in the in the movie. It's nice. It's not really Corey Posky, but yeah, uh, Eddie Gordado, Easy Eddie, or Everyday Eddie. Everyday Eddie, but yeah, and then we went but, to we we walked around New York and. Got to get down to see Ground Zero. I mean, this was, geez, we're talking nine months later. That thing was still raw as fuck. Yep. You know what I mean? I remember oh, walking yeah. on the scaffolding and like looking in. I mean, it was just rubble. The pictures were still up, like across the streets from wherever you would be. Um, they'd be tied to fences and stuff like yeah. that. And pictures of people still looking for people and. It was, um, I mean, within smoldering. I mean, it's just amazing if you've if you've seen it since. It's for sure. Uh, which is why, which is why we went. We we absolutely we wanted to make sure we didn't want it to, to be like fixed or whatever. And we were we were kind of not to fast forward. We can go back, but we were kind of thrown off. Then, other than the rocket launchers, we were kind of thrown off. You couldn't tell at the Pentagon. They had fixed the Pentagon. Correct. We were kind of kind of bummed in the fact that like, yeah, yeah, not like bummed. Um, but yeah, you know, surprise, I think that was probably the better, that's a better word for it. Just like kind of shocked at how quickly they kind of rebuilt, uh, what they had to, to, you know, to kind of keep the, the defense department running and whatnot. Um, Um, a massive hole in the building. Yeah. yeah. But Uh, the rocket launchers were still there. I distinguish, (laughs) distinguish remember the vehicles with the artillery up. Yeah. attached and and they did not like us just aimlessly walking because i don't even know that we illegally parked we were so confused we had no Northern Virginia. well do you remember trying to leave new york and yes. we got lost we ended in up harlem going farther north yeah nor harlem we were very 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 nervous i mean we went out of like downtown you know downtown manhattan and we must have missed the road to get on the bridge to head south and it, New York is wildly confusing. You cannot just turn around. And we went down a road, and all of a sudden, you know, everything's in Spanish. The lights are out. There's like a firebombed car on the side of the road. I was just like, well, boys, uh, it's been nice knowing you. 
I'm not sure we're going to make it out of this one. Um, thankfully we did. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Stop. Yeah. Cause you get, you had to like find your way onto an exit to get onto a major road to like, cause I've driven there and now between going from here to Maine and stuff like that. Yeah. I, you know, you see how it's getting so confusing now. And, um, then we got out and yeah, had a hell of a time and we must've, yeah, tried to get in the same night to get to Atlantic city or something. I don't know where we were staying, but yeah, eventually we went down New Jersey and we hated the turnpike and that confused us to no end as well. It's mm-hmm. like we were screaming about the only nice thing about the dark because we didn't necessarily like it because we wanted to be chill was that then you didn't need to wear the, have the cover over the video game or over the TV. That's right. To play the video game. You could actually like play it. But uh, I remember us thinking that the, uh, I think we literally said numerous times that the, the New Jersey Parkway was the devil. It was. It was the devil. It was you couldn't the see stuff devil. either. Like we wanted to get off and it was like, it was not like the interstates we like and know. No. Whereas every 35 miles, there's an Arby's or a Hardee's waving yep. at you from a nice lit up truck stop. No. Because everything else is flat. Correct. Yes. No. It was just dark, you know, vegetation and trees and stuff like that. But then Atlantic City, where we started seeing at the Tropicana. Yeah. Did that. Chuck won big on the craps tables. I remember that. I remember him hitting a couple, a couple yo's um for a guy and i think that guy walked out with like 35 grand and tipped charlie like 150 bucks and we thought we were kings <laughs> we're like fuck yeah man 150 bucks <laughs> and everywhere everywhere was like 24 hours like we were just like there stop like because yes. yeah, i remember us taking a picture we like pseudo dressed up or whatever like yeah we went down probably ate played a little bit had some drinks and then i'm sure the next day we were on the road we were again. off and going and we didn't go to philly interesting so yeah then we jumped all the way to dc yeah we went we yeah we hit dc and yeah just got to do the tour of dc right um you know check all the monuments arlington uh, national uh, cemetery yep, did the pentagon um there there we splurged because i had been at a hotel before we stayed at a, i'm pretty sure it was a right. holiday inn and it was like just south of the mall that's right and we broke the bed like that's probably yeah like you said th- three or four times our normal and i'm sure the tropicana was probably four to five times the one night of the probably middle of the week in you know august we were probably paid 120 dollars or something like that and yeah it was probably four times what we were paying for almost sure. anywhere else but for sure um yeah I, dc was a blast man i remember like just walking there i kind of fell in love with that city then uh, or that district i should say uh, there are two bridges. We kept going back and forth over the Potomac River past Thomas Jefferson. He'd be on our right, then he then he'd be on our left, and we were just going back and forth uh, over it. And we didn't really we're like in an, in another state. Is this Virginia? And we didn't know what all the words meant. It, I I often thought about that when I lived in Alexandria, like when I'd drive that and be like, God, because I, I my mom and I and my sister had gotten had had issues with that sort of spider web of it yeah. getting on the bridge. Obviously it's a bridge. So it's just like two lanes, you know, going, but to get on it, off it. Complicated. It's challenging. And the, pre GPS, we had yes. a Rand McNally's Atlas. Mm-hmm. Like we printed out and some, printed some, out some map quest directions. But once you've like deviated, quest. there's no course correction. And again, like when and you like get, you, said, yeah. you get in those big cities, like yeah. how do I get back to that road? is not as simple as just turn the fuck around. <laughs> God. 
they're all like one way in terms of their, yeah, you decide and make the wrong decision and you're writing it out. Cause I know, I think about the third time we thought we had it figured out and then we, we just like kept going and we're like, no. And then we knew at that point we were on another 15, 20 minute loop. And uh, eventually process, process, uh, you know, trial and error. Yeah. Uh, we made it and then, yeah, it got all the way back and, Thankfully, you know, that wasn't $3 gas days, but, um, to, I think your, your original point, we probably put the whole, the whole excursion on credit. Oh, for sure. I know I did. Um, I mean, it was all on there. It's fake money. Um, paid it back eventually. Yeah. It's just stupid, right? Stupid, but also incredibly awesome. Right. Cause those are, yep. those yeah, were, we, just, we didn't go backpacking in Europe. We, we, no. we went, we went and did baseball in nine eleven and, and just us, we did it, you know, sort of our way, a lot more mischief and stuff like that than if we'd have gone like yeah, national parks and stuff like that. Um, absolutely. And we just kept moving. Otherwise, I mean, another alternative, like I think we had talked about one time or another, possibly spring break, like spring training, not spring break, but as much spring training once you were done. And I was just like, but then we'd just be sitting there and like, we'd do the same. Although I did enjoy the one spring training I went to in Arizona, but um, yeah, no, I will never, I will never forget that. And as many road trips as I've been on with my mom, they, they, they're not as fun as, they're, they're not the same as, uh, yeah, riding with, with you and Charlie. Because again, thankfully it was just three of us. So we always had, someone had like the whole back of themselves. So like we were, we were rolling and, you know, we had even do a certain extent. Not a ton, though, because, again, it was three guys, and we had, like, this TV set up and all of our bags and shit. So, like, one of the seats was always occupied by something, but you could spread out a little bit. Um, yeah, man, it was just it was just a blast. Like, we just set out, and off we went, and, you know, we made it. We, we did it. I think our parents were probably a little bit like, okay, you know, uh <laughs> Hope you make we, it back. We checked in enough to keep them somewhat calm, but <clears throat> yeah, no, I think... it was it was amazing. It was. Uh, I'm so glad that we got to Yankee Stadium before they turned that tore it down. For I sure. mean, you know, we I, I don't we didn't I guess they know how to. We I think we were so nervous about the car and trying to get out that we didn't like didn't go down to Monument Park and some of the other stuff. But right. yeah, just the the blips. Some of it has gone so fast. I'm not exactly sure where we stopped and. Boston and some of those other places, but I remember sitting in the bleachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remember the car, the 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 police car in right around round zero. I mean, some of these are because oh, we yeah. have you know pictures of it. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I do remember passing by the Thomas Jefferson Memorial over <laughs> and over and over again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. That was good shit, man. We also went to uh, Florida State game together. Yo, that was, yeah, like two days later. Yeah, that, that picture and ticket was up there. Um, yeah, we saw Seneca Wallace. He would have been someone I would have played with um, NCAA football if I had to pick a, a tier two, like once you were like For sure. him and him and like, my, maybe it was K-State. Maybe it was Michael Bishop and K-State. Like, no, not what he, maybe. Maybe that, was, maybe that was why I'm thinking purple. Maybe my team was, but yeah, that was a good game. They, Iowa State, really close. Yeah, we went to Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah, in Kansas City. That's wild, right? Like that they, mm-hmm. they played that game there. We got down there. It was a great vibe. Um, and, and the irony of things when we knew, normally knew where the Twins were, the Twins were playing there. Remember we met um, uh, A.J. Perkowski and Mikhevich. Pierzynski and Mikhevich. Yeah, and Persinski. like 
and we were wearing Florida State shit, and we had asked them yeah. for autographs, and he played at Florida, and he's like, "I ain't signing that shit. You're wearing a Florida State hat or whatever." And we were One like, "But did. we're One twins fans." Yeah. AJ did being the asshole that he mm-hmm. was, right? Um, mm-hmm. Doug signed it willingly for you, um, but yeah, it was uh, that was funny as fuck. College yeah, they were sitting down on deep. the sideline because, yep. Yeah, they were down on the sideline. Yeah, there's that's AJ, that's Doug. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think Mankiewicz. Yeah, he wasn't that full. So then when we saw him, and I think we thought we were the only ones who kind of like knew who they, who they were, were. For sure. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think we've, we've talked about it. Uh, so eventually I got. Uh, Notre Dame, my buddy, uh, got me. He and I were supposed to go see Notre Dame play at Florida State a few years ago, um, and then I got married, and he didn't. He gave me the tickets, and Chris and I went. So I, I have thankfully gotten to Dope Campbell, and I saw an awesome game. And while I didn't talk to him on the sidelines then, D- David Robinson. It was when David Robinson's son played for oh. Notre Dame, and he was on the sideline. And reminded me of that, but. Yeah, that's what I like. Tired. Two times I've gotten to see Florida State play. Uh, we're maybe going to go down to to UNC. They're going to UNC this year. I've never seen like Cameron and and uh, Chapel Hill for as close as we are. So that might be on our list for the fall. Nice, nice, nice. Um, yeah. So now, you know, so you graduate. Um, how long before you moved out to DC? Uh, immediately, I remember. I remember sitting. Uh, the, the the two things I remember because I needed to pass a final with Peter Shotton, uh, which I didn't have the grade back before I was in my gown, and I had to have him like lean in and tell me as I'm walking the procession at graduation that I was home free. <laughs> I was down to my last test. Um, that had our party and whatever you know had our I think Bush Light Quiznos. You know the sta- the staple, uh, short of Little Caesars, and then the next morning I was sitting in the shower on that main floor, and I'm like, huh, "What the fuck do I do now?" Yeah, I had like no plan or whatever, um, but I, yeah, I went. I interned that summer, uh, stayed on my sister's couch, and interned uh, in DC. Tried to get a job. Was both interning on the hill, working at Sam Goody, at, nice. at the mall out in out in Pentagon City. Um, and then ended up coming back for a campaign, um, September, t- 2003, did that for a year. Uh, and then came, came here new year's Eve, 2004 after Bush won re-election and I've been here. Yeah. It'll be almost, you know, 19, 20 years. That's crazy. So you, so what, how do we describe what you do? You're an advisor. Yeah. Policy advisor for a United States senator from Nevada. I do yeah. transportation, telecom. If it's Facebook, if it's yeah. you know, the the for example, then you know, when I haven't been doing that, I the one time I did work in the administration, I, I worked at the agency that would have oversight over uh, train derailments and train, you know, passenger and freight train at, at oh. the Federal Railroad Administration. Okay, okay. So you've been out in D.C. for almost twenty years now, right? And you know, not to what what drew you to uh, I guess that right to politics uh, to so we, to that we had life. discussed uh, accounting and um, both county one and accounting two at Augustana uh, left me with very few teeth I said this isn't gonna work uh, had to switch majors and I 
I think Ross and Ryan were in it. And my sister was, at that point was working for the Senator from South Dakota. And I said, you know, I do like history. I do like some of you know, this politics stuff. So I studied that and got my degree in, in government and international affairs. And then I would say probably most specifically the combination of national losing. So at that point I'm, you know, I'm team blue. There wasn't a lot of team blue left in South Dakota. And, um, and if it wasn't that, you know, you play to play at a certain level. And this is, I, I came, you know, to make a run at the majors here. So sure. I came out here and came out here to do that. My, my sister was out here. So I also had like, you know, I wasn't left for dead. Yeah. Um, but there just wasn't, uh, I didn't get my, cut my teeth in, in St. Paul or Minnesota. And so uh, I was there again, not a lot of team blue left in South Dakota. And regardless, uh, I like you, I've been to DC a couple of times. You see the buildings, you like, you, you want to do bigger, serious things. And if nothing else, and I have fallen back on it many times when it either isn't your going way or you didn't have a great election cycle or whatever, you still work in a pretty incredible set of buildings and an incredible place that, um, even if it's not going your way today, you know, you can come back tomorrow and, Thankfully for this, uh, you know, there's no Achilles tendons. There's no, you know, 95 mile an hour fastballs. There's no uh, jugs <laughs> machines throwing sliders at me. You know, doom, doom. Yeah. You know, uh, the, 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 the kick in the teeth are different things. They're different politicians and different stuff. And, and uh, with, within reason, I can be, I can argue and I can be a pissant and then kind of get paid to do it. Absolutely. So, so what's your experience been like out there, right? Um, 20 years, you know, surrounded Ups by... Ups and downs. It's a, lot, it's a lot like sports. Like, uh, and, you know, I was with one candidate, thought she was going to be president of the United States, you know, probably got a little full of myself, was, um, you know, excited <laughs> for it. And up in, a young up-and-comer out of Illinois comes and, you know, snatches it away. I mean, it, it, politics are a lot like sports. You can't sure. see things coming. You can't prepare for sometimes the inevitable... Um, and then, as you know uh, all too well, whether it's you know nine eleven, the the financial collapse in two thousand. I mean, there's just curveballs, literally. Absolutely. Dirty, dirty curveballs around the corner. You got to stay on your toes, and at the same time, um, the beautiful part, and and I won't, uh, um, I won't assume anybody's necessarily intent. Even the people that don't agree with me or of a different party probably believe this too. And I just think there's a lot of good you can do for people. Um, you know, to do things, uh, whether okay. it's, you know, create jobs by building roads or people having transit to get to work on time or the airline industry, hopefully getting people around this country and driving the economy. There's different things I've worked on over time, but at the end of the day, it's the idea that it's a pretty good country and uh, we should be, you know, helping people. And, and one of the luxuries that we have is that we can both disagree and be at different parties without, you know, having guns to our head or, you know, having people throw it in jail and stuff like that. And so I get to partake in that, uh, every, every day and, and help a certain amount of people. Um, and it, it's never the same. Yeah. And that's where it is also like in sports too. Uh, no, no, no day is the same. You pass one bill and they either expect, you know, more from you or at that point you've got to see it through implementation and stuff like that. So it's always, sure. uh, it's always a different name. It's not, not the same cookie cutter day every day and every two years you get a new Congress and everything changes and you got to kind of reorient yourself. Yeah. What's been the biggest change in the 19 years since you've been out there? The the extremes, the extremes have kind of taken hold. Um, and it makes, 
it makes in the, in my case, it makes a Democrat um, hesitant to compromise a position if it's you know not getting the whole pie that the, that the liberals want, and it's harder to find you know a, it's a smaller and smaller pool of Republicans who can agree to spend one dollar or you know pr- promote one safety regulation or something like that, um, and so it it's been kind of maddening to a certain certain degree because both extremes when they can't work together means it's harder and harder to help people. And advance our country. We argue about stupid stuff. I was interested to talk to you about this, this, this idea of like where we would normally be. Hey, we would, when I came here, you would have never had a problem backing Ukraine, you know, within reason yeah. for, for a while and, and fighting this fight. And we're going to have, we're going to have a serious debate. Um, and there are going to be serious efforts to try to get us out of, of even, and, and again, you've seen this whole cycle both upfront personally yourself, where we got in, we were brought into a war and a global war on terror that was, you know, not of our immediate choosing um, to the point now where we, yeah, we got out of Afghanistan. It was painful. It took forever, got out of Iraq and those decisions, you know, burned Democrats. And now literally what I'm saying to you, and we're arguing about standing up for democracy and stuff like that is, is not even our boots on the ground. Yeah. So what's your question? Oh, well, I guess it was, yeah, the, the question was sort of the interesting part about, and, and I guess it's good that we have a learning curve. I think people were tired of seeing, uh, you know, people maimed and, and killed in, in Iraq and Afghanistan and things like that. But um, we would have had a stronger resolve if we believed that there was an evil out there um, to fight. And now when it's just, you know, sending money, sending weapons, sending this stuff, we can't even agree yeah. um, as a country to oppose Putin and communism. Right. It's an interesting dynamic. That's, that's a very, very specific policy example. But sure. when you ask me what, what is the biggest difference the, 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 the pools on both sides of the part or both parties who are willing and able to work with each other yeah. and, and the size and scope of what they're able to work on. So what do you, uh, crystal ball and, or, you know, your, your educated, advice or thoughts how do how do we change that we probably need uh, there has been i think an increasing detachment i think i think there's the every there's quite a bit of the american people 60 70 percent i think that are within well within the extremes um but a lot of them don't care don't vote and don't expect their um their politicians to, to behave civilly. And so at, at that point, if, for example, you're a moderate Republican and you don't participate in the primaries or you don't try to, you know, continue dialogue, like I'm saying, it doesn't have to be arguments. It doesn't have to be my style, but dialogue, then pretty soon the right flank is, are the only people voting in these primaries and you get, you know, difficult ones. Or in the case of Democrats, I think you more often get the Repo- moderate candidates, but they make, unrealistic promises to the left, for example. Um, and I think we just need more people engaged, less disenfranchised. Um, and, and then another massive change. And I know my career started with sort of the fight over whether we were misled and going to Iraq and stuff like that, but disinformation or missing misinformation. I mean, obviously social media is a driver of, of opinions yeah. in a way that didn't exist in 2003 or four when I started in this industry. Yeah. Um, so to sum it up, right, it's uh, at, very, at a very layman level, right? Because 
I think uh, I think a, a lot of people are middle of the road. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that don't like what either side really says. You know what I mean? Uh, whether you're if you're you know if you're a middle of the road Republican, you don't like the stance that the party is taking. 90% of the time, or at least the stuff that gets like put on TV and you know, they do a lot. That's not those crazy big headlines, right? Same with the Democrats, right? They, it's not all, you know, give everybody's money away and it's not all, you know, we're going to, you know, we want everybody to have guns in their hand at all mm-hmm. times, right? There's a lot of stuff that occurs in DC that is in the middle of the road. Like the vast majority of it is right. And so, if you don't want it to be that stuff, whatever side you're on, you have to like get involved and vote for the people who are willing to work together, right? Because that's what it used to be. Yes, there were always extremes, one side or the other. They were usually kind of cast aside and or laughed at. Uh, unfortunately, now they're just promoted and publicized uh, again on both sides and that those are the people who get the airtime. And it used to be where the people in the middle were the ones who were running the country, who were making the deals to, you know, yeah. All right. Do I want to spend all this money on a road? No, let's figure out a way to do it a bit more cost effectively and then put a little bit more money into this program that we believe in and so on and so forth. Whereas now it's, as you said, I'm not giving a dollar unless this occurs or, you know, we can't agree to anything you're saying unless you give us all this money in return or something like that. And it's just, it's, it's, and the downside for like the people who are kind of in the middle and who believe a little bit in both, right, is, God, you just don't want to hear any of it. You know, it's all painful to listen to, and you don't know what to believe, and there's all these channels are so skewed on all their shit, and it's just, I don't know, man. Do you see an end to it? Do you Uh, see us ever coming back? Yeah, I I don't know. Um, You you know, there's one frame of thinking that you'd almost have to have one in one party kind of implode. I mean, there's, there's a theory that maybe the Republicans could go so off the rails and, but to your point, they, they people won't rush to the Democrats or whatever, but somehow it won't be a third party, but they'll, they'll end up, you know, burning it down and then coming back as sort of the opposition to the Democrats, but in, in a moderate scope, because that we did that for years um, after getting, you know, Reagan, Reagan, Bush, whatever, like Clinton was sitting there straddling right at the center. And the Democrats were so sick of losing that they were, you know, willing to accept and be the center party to a certain extent for a while. And they didn't have litmus tests for abortion or guns or different things. And so it ended up with a, a bigger tent. But yeah, when I got into it, you could, you had a, Demo, you had a Democrat Senator in Nebraska, you had two in South Dakota, two in North Dakota, one in Iowa, whatever. And, and when I got in, you had a Republican, Senator in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. None of those things would happen though. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate. And, and the other part that happens in those cases then is that those people are, are free to be the continued polarization of it. And they don't necessarily, uh, you know, come to the middle and, and that's where we probably need to, to do a number of things from the saving social security to, yeah, how we balance this war posture 
um, and how we, you know, make things right, how we establish rail safe, like reasonable rail safety regulation, mm-hmm. for example. Why do you think we don't have like a third party? That's to put you on the spot about politics and all this shit, but no, but that, that, that could be, that could be the other part. I mean, there is some people that think it, the reason I don't go to a third party exists. Cause I think that what it would require is, and maybe it could happen is that you'd have to have so many people disenfranchised, but it seems like once people get dissatisfied with one of the twos, they, they don't go and say, well, I'm going to be motivated to like start a third. Um, they could, I mean, I think if you had money and an organization, um, I, the problem is, is that if you're not team blue or you're not team red, um, you're so many, you're just some other color that they just, they, it's harder for them to organize. You get to the libertarians who are sort of, you know, further off and not, you know, intentionally are not part of the Republican party socialists who are, some are, and some are Democrats, those it's hard to bring those forces together. And, and they are still within reason, um, you know, minorities, but no, in, in many States, the, the non-affiliated non, you know, red team or blue team is often larger than, but they not of one enough mind, but it'll be interesting. We, we could see a rise up where it's just like, well, the one thing they'll, they'll center around is that they're not red or blue. Yeah. And it would take, it would probably take a couple of very, you know, uh, inspiring type people. Yeah, to do it. It's Bert, Bernie ain't gonna do it. Trump's not gonna do it. DeSantis isn't gonna do it. I mean, it, it would take maybe like a, a Obama or someone other type um, who who could. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and obviously, and if, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, and you know, you're not necessarily like meaning those people, but just people who are polarizing, um, mm-hmm. who can captivate attention. And then, as you mentioned it, which is unfortunate, right? They need a fuckload of money in order to be able to even like remotely compete. Um, they wouldn't have to, but the, I don't know how they would otherwise. I mean, you, you'd have to have a whole bunch of either money or pixie dust. Um, I think you with social media and stuff like that, you could get hot. Jake Paul could decide to be a politician and who oh, effing no. knows. Don't, don't you say that. Don't you speak those he, things into existence, Trevor. <laughs> you see Elon Musk. I mean, he has money, but you see, you see ones that, that like you say, they say probably a left thing or a right thing. Like there, there could be people who could get above the noise machine. Now I just named two people who do also have their own sort of self money. Yeah. And again, they, they've gotten, so yeah, I don't know. It'd be pretty tough without it, but uh, I think, um, if you were sensible enough to, to make sense, you could probably try to find a way to, to thread the needle somewhat. But again, when I say nonpartisan, thirty-seven percent. I mean these thirty-seven percent are all over the place. Right. No, totally, a- absolutely, and that's where I think if if where it's going, you know, continue if it continues. Now, objectively, I do think like uh, the Democrats have backed off some of their uh, a bit more out there stances uh, that were alienating a lot of people. Um, or alienating the middle, right? Who thought maybe something oh, the, was too extreme? And the Republicans don't do the stuff that we label them for, like. But they, but they, some of them they say it more often. But yeah. you're right. They, they. The hard part is if you sat there and watched the news, or if you sat there and Correct. definitely, yeah, you got on certain channels, you would only hear the extreme shit that's probably going to turn people off. Correct. 
Right. And so Joe Biden is not a raging liberal by any means. And he never necessarily has been, but he did have to take certain pledges that once he said it once, then the Republicans could slap him around for it. Correct. Right. And again, it happens on the other side, right? So it's hopefully fingers crossed that this next, you know, election cycle is a little bit more back to the middle. Um, Hopefully we'll see. Hopefully. Oh, it, it, I mean, the, the crazy part, too, and I wouldn't even uh, bash about it. I was definitely fearful of it. I mean, D- Donald Trump could have run the table for eight years. If he had just toned it down to a certain extent and zeroed in, I mean, he's poll tested. It's not poll tested for poll tested sake, but the guy the guy could have run the – like maybe even – I mean, I don't know if we would ever given anybody a third term, but he probably could have set up someone to take – if, if he would have threaded it much more sensitively – for sure. With the people who bought into what he had done and he had said some of the things, but then, you know, governed in a respected thing and didn't give us so much ammunition of, of his family and stuff being involved. But, um, you know, he definitely could have, I was very afraid he was going to be poll tested and wanted to be liked so much that he would hold the Republican here, make it cut enough bipartisan deals and, and, and both yeah. in kind of in practice and, uh, in reality, uh, you know, straddle the center and yeah, and without even with COVID, if he had managed COVID, he would have won for sure. I was going to say all he did, he could have won for sure. That's what I was going to say. Like, I, I think if COVID doesn't happen, I bet he would have won again. I think he could have won if he had managed. Like, he came out with the vaccine. Like, he he was part of the thing. They managed to come out with the vaccine. Like, again, if he just didn't have that baggage and some of that other stuff. But to be fair, if Joe Biden was spunky and, you know, more, you know, <laughs> photogenic, cam- camerogenic, and was, was like 67-year-old Biden, like when he ran in 08, we probably, they would have probably no chance of beating him. Right. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not trying to, like, turn this into, like, that type no, of it's a, a sh- it's a dangerous it's a dangerous thing because you you i said it you i think you are one of my friends that i think falls into that category and it's like you'll watch it for watch's sake and and don't want to be disengaged and not like be able to know what's going on but um you know i don't have a lot of friends from my old days who talk to me about politics you're as much and it's still even not that much um, not because you don't respect my opinion or whatever but it, it is somewhat exhausting it is it is tough both to follow, you know, and what you want to believe and stuff like that and what you want to see. I think that's the part that, I mean, and, and it's, it's a self-gratifying area too. The, the liberal or the extremes who want to hear all this stuff believe that they should get it now. And so what sometimes even when you get the extremes who are dissatisfied, it's because they truly believe they deserve it. And it's just like, um, it's, it's an interesting way of, of thinking about it. And you see it in sports and other stuff too. You don't just get to win every year. Like why you expect that? I'm not sure what happened for with sure. generations. No, yeah. I mean, look, I, I do not expect the people I support to win all the time. But I would hope that whoever's in those positions, um, as you've stated, right, like uh, looks at what they're doing and sees it as an opportunity to help people, right, and mm-hmm. to make the country a better place, not to serve their agenda or their base or to get reelected or whatever. And unfortunately that's generally what comes across. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm happy to, I love like, I'll talk politics with you all day, dude. Right. You know that. Um, 
And I think as like a, um, a middle of the road voter, like the thing that frustrates me so much and why I get frustrated when we do, when I do talk about it is there's nobody who represents me. You know what I mean? And, and that's why that in itself, that that in itself is hard. If that is going to be no, that you're no, we'll never solve for that. Yeah. That's the hard part. Well, and by represents me, not like my specific and only my specific beliefs, right? I mean, like there's no, it doesn't feel like there's a candidate or that there have been candidates of late that are willing to, yeah, this is what I believe in ABCD. Um, but once I get in office, I'm responsible for everything and Mm -hmm. I want to work to make shit happen and to leave the place in a better place than when I came. And unfortunately that, and that's what I mean by represent me, right? Like, cause that's what I want, right? Like, do I believe in X? Yes. But if I was elected, that's not my sole job anymore. My sole job is to make this country a better place for everybody. And it doesn't feel like that. There's a lot of that going on anymore. And that's what I mean Uh by it doesn't feel like I'm represented. Mm-hmm. Not on my specific beliefs. Like, no, I, I know you're not saying. I know you're, you're not saying a you know, single or a white dude, and you know, mid-aged white dude, with, you know, a certain age bracket or a certain yeah, um, like, you know, um, income bracket, and that kind of stuff. Do, I, I get it. Um, and yeah, no, they they can't pick and choose and decide to be moderate on one right. thing in some cases and like, do that because of the party and with the promises they made usually to get elected. As an example, right? Like, do I want to pay taxes? No. <laughs> Who does? That being said, I am aware that they have to come out to pay for certain things. And so let's work to minimize the amount you have while making things, you know what I mean? And like, it doesn't feel like that's a thing. It's nope, we got to get all our shit through or nope, we want to cut everything. And, you know, look, guys, as you said, nobody wins all the time. And it doesn't feel like there's an understanding of that. But to your but to your point too, you believe in a certain amount of fairness and whatever. And and if you're willing to pay, then damn well, you know, most every pocket of income that Elon Musk gets should have some sort of tax liability to it. Yeah. Again, and that, like the rich, that's getting the rich into should this. pay a certain amount. Like they, they shouldn't have loopholes and and necessarily be able to just have accountants or whatever that get them out of paying that's getting into the semantics of it, which I'm not necessarily trying to right? Do I think some people should pay more potentially? Sure. Do I think some people should pay less potentially? Sure. Right. But you got to find the middle ground and it's not, that's the thing is uh, as an example for that, right? What you're asking is not going to be fixed overnight. And what the other side's asking is not going to be fixed overnight. So there has to just be some small incremental progress towards whatever those things are. And you count them as, you know, small victories because this is not, there's not an end game to politics. No, that's right? true. I mean, you yeah. know, this is going to go on to one fi- finale. Correct. Like the country is not just going to stop running in 2028, right? It's going to keep going. So it's, it, it's leave, again, leave the country, leave it better than when you found it. So, if your belief, whatever that might be, if your belief is Elon Musk should pay 50% of his taxes and he's currently only paying 12, 
based on all the loopholes. Well, try to get it to 16, man. Don't try to get it to 50. Try to get but it that's to 16. What we, but that's what we did. I mean, not, not to be biased, but in, in that specific example, and that's the hard part. That's typically what Democrats will tell you is we're, we're not very good at, at explaining to that. We, we didn't, when we repealed Trump's tax cuts, we didn't like put it back to before Trump or like, we're like, you know, we didn't go back 30 years or go off, way off the rails. We, we said capital gains needs to have some more. And yeah, the corporate rate, we didn't go back. We, in fact, I don't even know that we went back pre-Trump capital gains or, um, or uh, corporate. We went, like you said, to the middle ground because we have moderates in our thing. And so we clawed back some of it, but I don't think that we probably have explained that uh, nearly as well as we could or should. Yeah, and again, um, cause it's not folks. sexy. Right. And it, again, it, and I'm just using that as an example. The other side would be yep. right. If you, if you, if he's paying 14 and you think he should pay zero, we'll get it to 12. Right. Like, and, and make your compromises and make things better and move them in a direction that you think is better for everyone as a whole. Right. Is it going to totally, you know, destroy your donors? No. But is it going to help a lot of people? Yes. I, and that's where it just feels like there's not a lot of that. Uh, which is frustrating. But you, but you see, you you saw, and you because you live with it in the heart of Minneapolis. If you're anything like my friend Jesse and others or whatever, you guys saw the whole evolution of George Floyd. And, um, you know, even some people get wrapped up there and said defund the police. Well, the Democrats have been labeled with that. And, well, not your congresswoman, but a, a neighboring congressman probably said crazy uh, far left. Probably said stuff like that. But that's not where the party went. That's not where Joe Biden's in any way going to go. Right. Uh, agreed. Like, and uh, again, I'm I'm not trying to get into specifics <laughs> by no, any stretch, no. right? Um, because I'm that, giving you examples of I'm giving you yes. examples of where yes, I we we have shown restraint, even though I'm identifying to you and, and pointing out to you, yeah. there are Democrats that said insane things like that, For and then sure. there were, what my my point is, there are plenty of Republicans who said, look at all these Democrats defunding. Well, that's not what happened. So to your point, there was a lot of noise and a lot of scare tactics. When in reality, that didn't help. That didn't mean. Democrats did a very good job of explaining that that didn't happen. Right. Or that we didn't do it. Correct. Cause they think that's still, that they think that's happening. Agreed. Right. And, and that's what's, uh, I, when you get back to the extremes, either side, right, right or left up or down, right. Is that th those sound bites of defund or build a wall or, privatized social security whatever it might be right that those are the things that man only certain a select few are going to jump on board with and you just you you get other you get the middle being like well i don't yep. agree with that and that's way too big right of a thing yep. and i know it's not sexy to be like hey let's do a little reform on a b c or d Let's cut some taxes. Let's build some road. You know what I mean? Like nobody wants to hear that. But, but you said it right. You don't get rewarded. If, if people aren't engaged and they're frustrated or whatever, and I don't necessarily believe them, then you don't get rewarded for cutting bipartisan deals. I assume what you're talking about is bipartisanship. Yes, you don't always get, 100%. you don't always get, you don't always get to be the democratic nominee by telling people you're going to work with Republicans. I know. And it's crazy. I know. And, and that's where it's, I, that's why I asked like, how, how do we, how do we fucking fix this? How do we, how does this move in a direction that gets us out of that, uh, into a yeah, space where we're you all and I, cause you and I talked about the kind of pixie dust that Obama was spreading around like post post racial post, like he was, 
he was going to change Washington and all of these other things. And, and he was as popular coming in as a person's kind of ever been or Bush after nine 11 had all kind of currency, political currency. And, you know, the, the parties will even eat them alive or, or, you know, misinformation yeah. campaigns. It gets, it gets to be difficult, but like you said, it's a, the hamster wheel keeps going. It's never going to end. And, but, but I, I will say I, here's where I will get outright partisan. This was the panic of January 6th is, is that literally, like you said, it's one thing if we move marginal tax rates and stuff like that. And you're like, and then bitching about, you know, gas prices today or whatever. And, and, and discussing whether we should be funding, you know, Ukraine, but January 6th and like this idea that, you know, certain norms are broken. Yeah. That, that, that's freaking some people out. And obviously it was a big black mark and there are plenty of Republicans who are reasonable Republicans um, who have tried or have gotten burned and they got thrown out of the party for the most part by saying the election wasn't stolen and January 6th was, was an insurrection. It's crazy to me. Well, we got off the rails. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the typical. It's what happens when we talk is... No one wanted to hear us talk about NCAA football players from 2003. You know what? There's a seven. segment that did. So yeah. that's all That's all that matters. Or, or Corn or Lincoln Park. Um, but you're a dad now. Yo, we got kids. We have to We have to behave a little bit. It cuts into the video game time, that's for sure. Uh, baby girl six, you said, right? Yep. So you yep. had a child later in life, kind of like I did. Right, uh, we're no spring chickens anymore. Um, you know what was that like for you? Right, like when when Krista came to you and was like, "Hey, showed you the stick," or ho- however she did it. Right, like what was that? What went through your head when you found out? All right, my my girl, my wife, my woman, whatever she's pregnant. What's what's it going was, through your head? It was. I was probably, you know, your normal man and I wasn't as uh, emotional about it or whatever, but it didn't happen right away. So there was a certain amount of relief and um, excitement and things like that in, in nervousness. I hadn't held a baby. Like, again, I'm just not around. I don't have that many siblings and stuff like that. So, you know, it was a variety of things from like, fuck dude, I've never, I've never changed a diaper. Like um, to the normal things, like, the first time you drive them, when you drive them home from the hospital, yeah. uh, and you're sitting there like, I don't know how to get this goddamn thing in the car and like, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it was that abnormal. And then not to, you know, get too political, but that was also, so she was born. I had been working for Hillary and I'd been working in the Obama administration and then volunteering and working for Hillary. So I was very going about 400 miles an hour in, in various different different directions and traveling to the state and that state and doing different stuff. And so I was excited. I had started to, you know, become passionate about the idea that, that I was going to usher in this, this daughter into a whole new world and she wouldn't know a world without where a woman couldn't be president. Yeah. And so not, you know, just cause every many things, yes, are political in my world. That doesn't mean I can't detach myself. and I can't enjoy other things, but um, yeah, it was a huge, punch the face with what happened in that, you know, November of, it was very, very upsetting, sadding combination of, because yeah, at, at different two or three day things within the first month she was born, I wasn't, you know, there and things like that, but it was all for a cause. I was sacrificing that for a purpose. And I, you know, we get to, we get to the big game. Yeah. It was, it, you know, got beat by, got beat by two score, get to the Super Bowl and get beat. 
So you weren't, so you weren't home when I was, I was home for that day for the election night. I was in Philly the weekend before, but yes, as a Monday and Tuesday of that day, I was knocking doors in Virginia. So I was at home on the couch with her sleeping upstairs watching. Okay. That, un- that loss unwind. So, okay. So you were home when you had your daughter. Yes. I was home when she was born. I was at, uh, Miss Adele. We had Adele tickets, my Ooh. in-laws and the, going to Adele. Um, but yeah, October 10th, um, 2016. Uh, then again, I had made a few different other stops, but I was, uh, in Pennsylvania the weekend before the election. And then the, the day of the election, I, yeah, I was knocking doors in, in Virginia, came home and it went off the rails. <laughs> so aside from Hillary losing the election, like what's been the biggest, uh, like adjustment for you, uh, as Trevor Dean to now father Trevor Dean. Um, that when your wife tells you to calm down, you can kind of whatever and say, well, you married me and blah, blah, blah. But your six year, you know, your little daughter looking at you being like, you're a jackass. You, it, it's a, it's a second one. I'm outvoted. Yeah, I believe in democracy. <laughs> this is a democracy and my dogs can't vote and whatever else. So it is two on one. And so, uh, again, where, where I might have been, you know, had certain edges or whatever that, you know, Krista endured or battled with me or whatever. At, at this point now, you got to, you got to pick your battles. You got to, you know, refrain and you got to go a little bit slower. I am, I am exceedingly more patient in, in a number of ways. Okay. Then, and then I think people who knew me before would have been like, holy shit. In like what way? Like, what do you, because you're watching a kid and you can't like get crayons back in a box and you're just not like going to flip your shit. Like, you're not going to like, <laughs> if my 30 something year old wife was sitting there having a problem with the vacuum machine, I'd probably be like, you know, mocking her profusely, but, um, you know, uh, and then, uh, then yeah, you got to rem- remind yourself that this is like a, a blank CD. We're burning the CD here, man. Mm-hmm. You know, if Absolutely. I, I, you know, um, we, we, we don't, we don't necessarily, uh, use, we use strong language and things like that, but we, we talk about a lot of things and, but you, it's a mirror. It's a mirror. Right. Because you do, you sit there and think to yourself, well, okay, she knows what's a bad word and good word. And then you're just like, I, I know, I know I'm going to get a call. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get a call. And she said, yeah. she said this. I'm like, well, shit, that's, I know where that came from. Yeah. What's been the hardest part of being a dad? Um, kind of adapting in ways, although obviously my wife and I are different. And I, yeah, I think you were going to, we were, you know, talk about coming from a different generation and then didn't have like overly affectionate parents, but trying to match, it's, it's not hard. I, I, it's kind of been a surprise. It hasn't been as hard as maybe I, as it has been with my wife to be more affectionate or um, not necessarily emotional, but you know, loving, you know, outwardly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it hasn't necessarily been hard, but it, it's taken a, a deliberate thing. I want her to feel, you know, loved every day or at least, you know, uh, in no ways necessary, you know, negativity for negativity's sake, not trying to shield her, but, you know, trying to balance it. And, um, I don't think it's necessarily even that she's a girl versus a boy or whatever, but you just want to make sure that you're trying to create a, a pseudo nurturing environment. And yet at the same time, um, the hardest part probably for me 
is not just wanting to laugh and watch her fall on her face, you know, every time. Cause you know, both as an adult, you, you find that funny, but at the same time, I do subscribe to, you know, a certain amount of, you know, fall on your ass like that. Yeah, you need to do it. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fine line. That's probably what Chris and I disagree with at times uh, as much about sit, sit down. You, you don't get to decide what's for dinner. I put dinner down. Yeah. You're going to eat it. You, this, you know, where you attack it and address that or, you know, insert that discipline is, is never easy necessarily. Sure. Sure. What's the best part of being a dad? Uh, yeah, probably the sort of love and affection too, that you just don't have to be burly or whatever. Again, if you're not raised in a, you know, a huggy, lovey, constantly say, I love you thing, then even if you get better at it, it's still can, it can still can be jarring in a very pleasant way to, you know, have your daughter say you love, if she loves you like every day or out of the blue or, sure. you know, a hug before bed every night that, yeah. you know, you wouldn't have had, um, before you had a kid. Absolutely. It's not the same. The dog, the dog looks and the dog's cuddles and the obsessive dog thing. Like, I mean, <laughs> that in itself was nice, but this is a, this is a living, breathing thing. And then obviously when she learns stuff, so that's always fun. Like, absolutely. It's always fun. She's starting lacrosse. So we'll see how that goes. But nice. yeah, just, just watching her, watching the joy in her face is, I mean, it's just not rocket science. It's the same thing people have been experiencing for many years, but I, again, I didn't dwell on it about, I have to be a dad or I, I'm so looking forward to this. And so if you didn't, if you're half either self-involved enough or just, you know, driven in your own thing enough, then you don't realize you, you haven't built up how much, you know, what enjoying going to, you know, Saturday, Saturday morning soccer sure. um, can be. So to me, a lot of this stuff is, is gravy and all new and, and enjoyable because I, I'm not comparing it to something yeah. or something else. So, right. Which right. is, which is part of the enjoyment of not having, you know, two kids. I don't know what it's, you know, like in, in your situation, there's benefits of all of it. Cause you get to feel it over twice. But I think, like you said, being older and whatever, we were, we were content with, with one. Okay. Right on, right on. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if it's different having two or three or four or one, right. You just, you just a parent. Um, I think mm-hmm. it just makes it, you know, it, it's more chaos, right. Or, you know, you, you, I think with the second, you get the benefit of having gone through it once already. Right. Like, so the things, as you were mentioning, right. Like, uh, uh, you know, your wife not wanting to see her fail, right. Or, you know, you trying to check yourself and, and not get frustrated about things, right? Um, Lord knows with Jackson, I would display those frustrations sometimes with with simple things. And then when Jocelyn came around, I'm like, you know, all right, I've been through it once. Now I know, which you should know, that there's no way a three-year-old knows how to do that, right? <laughs> so you just learn and makes the process a little smoother or a little less stressful or anxiety filled, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that's probably the biggest benefit to having another one from that perspective. Um, you love them both the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not, you know, one gets more or less or anything like that. They're, they're just your, your children. Right. Um, yeah. And it, and I didn't, again, so much of it has been things I just didn't, 
plan for it. And then including which we're getting to now, which, you know, you're in kindergarten and stuff like that. And you just got to kind of remind yourself, you, you know, you're only going to program them a certain percentage. Yeah. They, they are, they are going to get from the teacher, like just the school, but just the experience of starting to ride the school bus. Absolutely. She comes back. Well, yeah, the first few months, she's like, they said this on the school bus or so like, she's, she's like not tattling. She's pretty good, but not being like a toddler, but like, you know, just talking, just like just sharing just, their day for sure. There's just the, the litany of experiences that are like, so beyond what I can protect her from and whatever else. And so you want to talk to them about it, but at the same time, um, there too, you cannot get bent out of shape. You, when they get a call from the, the teacher or she tells you something that's going on there, like you have to kind of put it all in perspective, like, or realize it's a marathon. This is just like, yeah. you can't try and you, keep you, it in you, perspective for sure. Yeah. My, it would just go crazy if you want to get worked up about every little thing that kid can say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or sees. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd kind of, you've kind of danced around it. Right. Uh, and it's something we've never really talked about that much or that in depth. Um, it, honestly, probably just because I never knew how to have the conversation. Um, but you lost your dad. Mm-hmm. Like when and how did that happen? Uh, now I'm forgetting exactly exactly the years, but um, he had my dad had a quadruple bypass. I think we must have been maybe sophomores. Oh, kind of overweight, not not in too great a shape. Um, you know, diabetes and some of those things. So over time, and then um, I don't think it was his only stroke, but I must have been. I was unemployed, so it was after one of my bosses left. So it must have been 2013. Must have been just before July 4th, because I think he was buried July 3rd, 2013. So it's been. Wow. Yeah. 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're, you know, when your dad is not in great shape, our, our dads were built completely different. So I'm very sympathetic to, I think yours was much more of a shock, uh, in a, in a different, I mean, they couldn't have been more opposite. My dad was right. probably another six inches shorter, probably still carried about 280. Like when someone calls you and says he's in, in bad straits cause he had a stroke, this was not something I was not, um, you know, prepared or not prepared for. Um, but I got, you know, by the time I got to him at the hospital, uh, North, it was, it was in St. Cloud. Uh, so you would know that, um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't verbal. He could write and stuff. And so, um, you know, he appreciated that that I was there. We kind of communicated a little bit. Um, but he wasn't doing well. Um, and then, yeah, had, had another sort of mild stroke and then kind of was, was unconscious and things like that. And so it, it got to be a decision, but it was kind of not even a decision to a decision because he, you know, he's, he's a lot like me and the idea of just not even being able to yell at the twins or even change the remote, like the idea of what his life would have been. Um, yeah. And there was, there was, he was, he was so beat up for so many years that it, it, like, there was no other decision. So, um, it was hard, but, um, I think you and I had different experiences. I, I didn't see my dad, um, nearly that, that often, whether it was, you know, because, uh, you know, needing to work or different things, because obviously he wasn't down at Augie, uh, you know, that much. Um, 
it doesn't mean, you know, anything as far as level of love and things like that, but it yeah. just, it wasn't, it wasn't the same sort of loss. It wasn't, um, something that I, I had weekly calls with. It wouldn't be like, you know, my mother passing now. And again, I, I had, I tried to view things in a sort of grander scheme. I got, I got three or four days where, yeah, he was still aware and he knew I was, you know, looking out for him and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I appreciate, yeah, that I didn't show up, you know, to just immediately pick out, you know, caskets when I got there. But yeah, when you asked me about the, the worst parts, it's not the hardest part. But the the worst part about this, you know, with the kid stuff was is I mean I wouldn't have had a kid in 2013, but not you know trying to answer questions for her about him sure. and, and him you know not having that experience together is is a a, a missing component that you know makes me sad. Absolutely. But Absolutely. but the alternative, I mean, you know, the the cards are played the way that the cards are played. There's there was no way to go around it. He was he was going to be in medical challenges. Uh, no matter what. So I, I right. appreciate that. Try to put it in sort of context, but yeah, no, I, I, I miss him cause I, I would still see him at Christmas and stuff like that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you miss him when you, when you're celebrating and things like that, but most often, you know, you have your, your daughter asking you about grandpa and stuff yeah. and seeing him in pictures and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so like, did that, I mean, I know you've said like you kind of, knew without knowing right like that potentially you know something like that could happen you know but you know look even though it happens right it's still impactful in some way you know how did that impact you um you know getting that I'm, call i'm a i'm kind of an enigma where i think a lot of people and, and you know me well enough where it seems like there's probably extremes where there's a lot of emotion and a lot of anxiety, or whatever that comes out of me over mundane things. And then yeah. when you get to that kind of serious thing, again, I guess I just looked at it very rationally. I, I cried and I was upset uh, and frustrated by things, but um, the, there was, you know, sort of no other alternative again. And, and at that point it wasn't thinking at in 2013 that she, he wasn't going to meet his granddaughter and, some of those other things that I didn't want him to hurt anymore. Sure. Yeah. I think that was, yeah, that, that was an easy takeaway. He couldn't, he couldn't be happy this yeah. way. I don't know how long he was happy, you know, not being healthy and, and not being necessarily in, in a self-sufficient financial place and things like that. So I mean, you know, I'm not going to speak for him, but, but yeah. you know, I got to a point where I had to make decisions for him and, and that was not a life by the time, you know, those things that had happened. Um, that he could have afforded to, you know, um, endure, nor would ha- he have wanted to. I, I would have fought with him if, if it wouldn't have been as extreme or if it was a matter of, you know, getting a few more months, weeks, year, years, that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it's, it, it, uh, you know, it just wasn't one of those uh, type situations. Right, right. And I try to look at it, you know, logically I can. Yeah. I could cry and being upset and, and, and still at the same time say, you know, this is not the life For we sure. would want. And there's a decision we have to make. And I, I, I had my uncle and brother and my mom, even though they were divorced, you know, were there and stuff like that. But um, again, I did get a number of years. I get more. I mean, the guy was unhealthy for a long time. I mean, the, the other way to look at it is I got, I mean, lose my AirPods here at some point, but, um, but I got, 
a number of years uh, with him. It's not like I had to make these decisions when I was 21, like when he went in for the quadruple bypass. I think I took that way harder in ways. Sure. In 2002, one or two. Yeah. And I did by where we were at by 2013. Sure. Sure. Oh, advice for anybody who's lost someone. I'm sorry. Got any advice for anybody who's lost someone? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I remember the the good things, you know, try to, um, you know, not, not dwell. I, I had the luxury of not necessarily, um, having to worry about whether he knew I loved him or, those kind of things. So I'm, I'm great. Be grateful for what you can be grateful for. Yeah. It may, it may not be every day and it may not be your whole entire life and it may have, you know, some, some shitty stuff in it. And I don't have advice for people. Like I'm not, it, that's not an advice for people who have been mistreated for a really long time, but I wasn't. He, we tried hard. He worked hard. He believed in me. Yeah. I had for the most part, everything that I needed. Um, and he was the he was the hugger and within reason the the I love you and whatever. So I, like he he gave me what I what I needed when I you know mom's coming down on you and he's he says you know so you just get degrees you just you know you had someone <laughs> in your corner and you didn't um, and I got and I had the luxury again I it's it's hard I don't know what to tell folks who may not have gotten that time but I got some time to talk to him and then I got to do the eulogy and. Um, you know, I got to say, I got to say what I want to say. Don't, don't miss that opportunity. Don't, yeah. don't be closed off to it. Don't, um, don't drive yourself crazy about it. Open your heart and say it once. Cause I mean, obviously you can say it again later, but, um, I think everybody knew and, and it's not necessarily closed or anything like that, but, um, I, I didn't have any regrets as far as making sure I told him both while he was, you know, still with me. And then yeah. when we were celebrating him, that I had a clear, clear voice within reason of, of how I felt, which, um, you know, I, I do get nervous about, God knows generations before us, they, they, they didn't have that. For sure. I don't want, I don't want Sella to feel, you know, closed off either. Right. But, Absolutely. And no one, yeah. And, and it's so you know, cliche and everything like no one else is perfect or whatever, but appreciate Appreciate within reason where people are. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good lesson for politics, but thankfully my father <laughs> and I were not far apart on any of that stuff. So nice. All right. Back to the fun stuff. We'll wrap it up here since you're, you're going to lose your AirPods. Well, I mean, I can talk to you through that, but yes, it's, it is Eastern time here. Yeah. My friend, big sports guy. Trevor is in my opinion, the pioneer of the multi TV setup for college football. Um, and he's going to, I'm assuming he's going to show me it right now in his basement. Uh, but he was way. Yeah. Look at that. Golly. That was, that was set up here. We got, we got the house with it like that, but yes, I am. You've been doing that since before, like TVs were affordable and it was easy to create multiple screens. Like you had always, you weren't throwing, we weren't throwing any TVs away. No, no, man. There's, you know, yeah, you can split. You can always split. You can also always split. Yeah, into another way. We can have a DV movie going on one day, a silent game going on another, and a video game going on in the third. That's what we do here. And but yes, college football. It is. It is a serious thing, man. You can watch. You can really enjoy and get a lot of sports even with the mute on. 
big into it. Big into it. So, yeah. So. That's also a benefit from when we were younger. You didn't, like... Oh, I, I, you gotta you gotta appreciate the the selection and the choice and the, and the cable readiness and whatever we have in sports. For sure, it is a, a much better era than even in college or when we were kids. Absolutely, absolutely makes it a lot easier now, like you said, as opposed to having nine splitters being run, uh, so that you. Can oh, watch. I meant just they put so many more games on TV. Like you, again, when our Gophers were terrible and we were like in two falls, you could we couldn't watch them. Yeah, and now you can watch every Gopher game, even if they're zero and fourteen. Absolutely, absolutely. Not to mention how much easier it is to do what we were you were trying to do back then. But yeah, like just the the wide selection of games, all that stuff. But so, all that being said, big college football guy. Yes, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the one sport that yes, I will try gorge myself on. I usually yes. sit as much as I can. Soccer interrupts it, but. From game day to the Pac-12 games, 1 a.m. Love that. So, and you, you sent it in a text. You had thoughts on the current or the college football playoff. Well, that was, yeah. Was, I, I am a big proponent of eight. I, I do think, you know, inevitably you're probably going to get some ass kicking. The first round is probably going to be ass kicking. But we see, like, to me, part of me says, well, we see that anyway. We've seen we've seen a number of years. You win a Final Four. It's the first two games are or shit, or two of the three. Yeah. Like, you can't necessarily avoid it. If there is an Alabama on its peak, oh, please. You could, I mean, granted, uh, Ohio State got them, but, you know, you could have had the Trojans, 05 Trojans, or whatever, like, 01, 2000 Hurricanes or whatever. Yeah, they probably would have kicked the shit out of three or four teams. Like, what good would it? But, you know what, it... It, it adds to excitement. I mean, there's a reason. I, I think the playoff system for my, most of the play, um, professional sports is quite a few teams. I mean, I don't like this basketball thing now. Eight is eight. Like, they shouldn't have done this, like, play in. I think that gets to be a little silly, although I'm sure all of their uh, economic barometers tell, her, tell them it's right. But, but by that token, then moving it to eight, I don't think 16 is great. No. What I haven't wrapped my head around is what we're going to the super conferences kind of thing. Cause inevitably at, at eight, you should you, you, within reason, if you can justify it, you should have a, you know, a little pup as one of the eight. Mm-hmm. And then to be fair, it gets, it gets harder. Like TCU, which is no, by no means a little pup or whatever, only had to win two games to get through. But um, I just, it's kind of amazing how I'm not really sure what, the prohibition is you have an NCAA who runs uh, a tournament now and has seen four teams be incredibly, I, I assume ratings wise, incredibly popular. And it's the same entity who runs a 65 team tournament. That is like one of the most grossly watched things and draws in, if nothing else, totally in every year draws in people who don't watch regular season college basketball. Right. How like why? Why you think I? You know I. I can't believe how long it took to get to a four-team playoff, and I'm kind of surprised how much there is resentful uh, resentment about it. But um, and I think even more so too when we get to these super conferences. Like, what are you going to do? Super conferences? Like, you're telling me we could have yeah the super sixteen or whatever Big Ten, and you're and even in the best case, you're telling me the third best team in there doesn't deserve probably to make a run at a national title like. We've seen that happen too. There, there are plenty of For sure. decent SEC or Big Two. I mean, it's happened probably in every every 
since we've had either the, you know, not necessarily the BCS, but whatever we did in the interim and this tournament, inevitably there's been whole conferences left out and there have been plenty of teams that have been that have left out. And I don't know how you keep it at four and have, you know, four super conferences. I think at some point you got to let some more teams in. Right. Yeah. I, I'd love to see eight, right? You get automatic power five conference winners. Then you have three at, you know, at larges. Uh, and as you said, you know, hopefully one of them is kind of from a, a smaller conference. Um, you know, I, and you know, the, the, the criticism and or the drawback that I hear most that rings the most true to me is that it waters down the regular season when you expand it. And that's why I think you have to make it a five where five of the bids are locked up no matter what. Yeah. Cause you make, you make the conference title incredibly important. Correct. And, and then there's going to be an, and then you're really arguing about three spots. I don't, you know yeah, I, mean? I don't buy that argument. The only difference is we're going to start getting into the argument between some one loss teams and two loss teams instead Correct. of zero loss teams and one loss team. Like, Correct. I don't really, yes, you could slip and fall one. Now you have the right to slip and fall once for sure. Make the tournament. But, but also understand you slip and fall um, even once, maybe say you're uh, like a TC or something like that. And that one takes you to like a, a seven seat. You go from a two number two to seven. You're not now. You're playing on the road, and you're playing the second best team. Like, right? Yeah. How? how I don't know why you'd want to lose a game. You're not going to try to Correct. lose a game. So that's where if you make it the those five, right? It it still keeps winning the conference incredibly important, and again, it opens up like the the three, uh, you know, the three at larges. You know, say you're Alabama and you go undefeated, and then you lose the the conference championship game to Georgia. Okay. Well, well I think I think still they need get to in. recycle through. They're not going to be able to stick to these divisions as much. No, they got to rotate yeah. that. I, I agreed, and we, I, that that's far down. Because we've seen, because we've seen, because we've seen the big Big Ten East have you know at any time you have when you have Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State rocking it or whatever. Like I think Penn State was like seven this year, or eight. Yeah, and their only two losses were to those two teams. For sure the two teams in the tournament. And then when we've seen like the either side of the sec, but more often the West, there are easily three teams. Like they need to try to find a way. I love the matchups. I think you could keep one or two guaranteed things, but even then, you know, remember when we had to agonize for it, it was agony because they had horseshit offenses, but it was kind of agony. Um, it's like what we experience now with Michigan and Ohio state with LSU and Alabama. Remember back in the day, you're just like, man, someone's going to, Someone's going to hurt the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, when in reality, you know that they there's at four teams or eight teams, those two should be in there um, and shouldn't be necessarily penalized for one of them having a lot. Like, and so I, I just think they need to. They're going to. They're going to have to if they have two eight teams. They're just going to have to try to find a way to shuffle around um, yeah, even the conference games. But that's cyclical. Um, if Within you, reason, but there's no reason. You know, like LSU you, has fallen off. Correct. Right. Correct. And they'll Michigan rise used back to suck. I mean, Ohio State used to run through that side, their side. Yeah. And Michigan lot. was terrible for a while. It, yeah. You know, I say but, that. But you just keep rotating it. I'm just saying, you keep rotating. There's no reason to stick to those divisions. No. 
You can you can keep make sure you keep the Michigan Ohio State game within reason. Well, I'm not I'm not yeah. saying do away with that. I'm just saying you can't you. I don't think you can lock. I don't see how you keep the East West Big Ten locked that way when there's eight, 16 teams. Well, I think what's going to happen. This is me crystal ball in it here. I think they're going to just you know the Big Ten's going to get to 20 teams. Uh, SEC will get to 20 teams ish somewhere in there maybe it's 18 i don't know they stop playing non-conference games and if they don't make it to eight you know in the college football playoff you're just gonna have the top two in the big 10 and the top two in the sec playing for the college football national title especially with the you know usc ucla that's why i said i hope it it goes to eight because i agree that's one way it could go and i just don't think it should be the interesting part would be as they get to this four three or four super conferences um, I agree they should lock in a spot. Well, they shouldn't. I mean, I, there That's are the obviously ways in which a three-loss team could pick off. That's why I want to get rid of the divisions, too. I, I know you – I don't want divisions almost at all. D- don't define them. Like, do it like the Big 12. Have them play a randomized eight games, best two records, play in the title, and then, like you said, they get one of them gets that spot. We'll see what happens with the second one. Because at that point, then you don't have a three or four loss Big Ten West team with the possibility of dethroning them. They shouldn't be in that spot. They shouldn't be in a Big Ten title game. Michigan and Ohio State should have played each other again, probably. Interesting. That's what, right? Isn't that what the Big 12 does? They, they run each other, and a lot of times, the two teams that go play in the Big, Ten title, Big 12 title game probably played each other, like, had already played each other in the regular season. It's not a guarantee because there's enough teams. Yeah. But they like play like nine. Um, but at the same time, too, they, they got to, um, you know, keep the – find a way to make sure at minimum two non-conference games and then find a way to create a sweetener. Um, and, and maybe it is. Even in your format, the you, those three at-larges are going to probably come from the top eight seed – or the top eight ranked – and how do you get to be ranked if you're, you know, play two cupcakes or three cupcakes? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. In theory. And I don't know. I don't know how you tried to motivate these guys to play um, good non-conference games because that's sometimes the best. That's even more to me. And I know I'm not like a purist, at it, but there's there's something super enjoyable about these like Labor Day games or like that second week when it's like Texas, Ohio State or like Oklahoma, Miami. For fucking sure. Like I love though, I love seeing that, and I hope it continues. Um, even yeah, even when Florida State got the shit kicked out of by Miami or um, Alabama, I'm sorry, Alabama a couple years ago. Yeah, but it's it's fun, right? It it I don't like seeing, you know, Alabama play, you know, Northwestern directional technical college Austin P. You know what I mean? Like that's, because it's not like basketball. It's it's not no. like basketball where you can get bit. It, you know, that app lap, app state Michigan is so rare. Correct. It's just football. It's just it's not. It's just not going to happen. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I totally understand it hurts app state if people are not playing them because they get four million dollars or some crazy shit to go to Ann Arbor. But that's not what it's built like. Right. But that that is again. So yes, it hurts them, but they I don't think that they should be supported by the big programs. You know what I mean? 
like you can build a successful program without, you know, collecting two million bucks every year from one of the big schools and getting the shit beat out of you. Yeah, are yeah, you I'm gonna not sure ever? How, run I'm not with- sure how they figure out. There's there's probably too many teams um, that make a run at the D1 title that maybe should have stayed like D1 AA or whatever. But yeah, yeah, because 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 you can find a way. It's just completely different in basketball. You can have two guys and mm-hmm. find your you know become over 20 years become Gonzaga. Well, and five seniors on a team that's been battle tested can beat you know five freshmen that are going to the league next year because they're a team. You know what I mean? So yeah, basketball is totally different. And it only takes five guys. You can't, you you can't do that in, you can't do that in football. Correct. It has to be like an active, I mean, App State Michigan was like an active God. It was, it was kind of an anomaly on a number of things. Um, but yeah, you could you could easily be have a couple of good players. Yeah, run a twenty nine and two record, get it like a nine seed, and make a serious you know run. And honestly, if you make it to the final four and and get beat there, then that you know that that is a dream season. And you know what? There are plenty of major universities who have even sniffed that, especially considering they took our Minnesota one away. I don't even think they count it. <laughs> yeah, the banners was yeah. one. The banner's gone. Yeah, they the banner don't is count gone. it. Um. One last question. Will the Gophers ever be good again? Which Gophers? The football team. Oh, I mean, I suppose anything is possible. Um, <laughs> it's, it's way more likely than fixing politics. Um, you, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to sound like your dad. I'm going to sound like my dad. The state's big enough. If you keep the players there, you could. If if they hit the right thing again, it is very much like politics. If you got and maybe Fleck in time or whatever, you you could have someone with pixie dust, um, and you just need. I'm I'm hoping that those guys set kind of a mark in the last few years, and if they could do that with Tanner Morgan, like, but yeah, you get. But they also showed their their limitations. Like you have to have you need you need eight or nine Moa Ibrahams, right? Like it can't just be one Maroney and one you know Ron Johnson and one Marion Bart. Like yeah. I mean, it has to be for you to compete with those guys to to take it. Um, I don't know what your definition of of good was, but um, I would so, I would put it in some some ballpark of getting to ten wins without four cupcakes. Yeah, like being Big Ten and 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 winning more like being over five hundred Big Ten. I th- you know, but yeah, if we're talking about what was that 20, 2019, I was at the Gopher or I was at the Wisconsin. That was awesome. That was my first game day ever. Yeah, my first, it was my only. It's the only game I've been at TCF. And I think I got be like by like fourteen. <laughs> Yeah, but that I, took but that took what Tyler Johnson. It took uh, Bateman, who's at the Baltimore now. You know, it took Tanner kind of being lights out. Um, yeah. but but I assume part of that was the magic just ran out. But I think they got to where they are. I mean, we had the schedule working for us, but it sure helped when they they, they punched Penn State in the mouth. I mean, confidence is a crazy thing. Absolutely. It Absolutely. is it is a true and crazy thing and and yes it's entirely possible that PJ has the pixie dust. I I am 
I think there's a there's a cynicism I have that if he he hadn't sprinkled it around and does it by now, I think it's the shtick's gonna way off a little bit. But that's the beauty of college. That's the beauty of college. Yeah, every four every, get, every four years is a whole new class. You can repeat the same shtick. And to be fair, unless we get into like this bidding war, and I, I mean NIL and those things might make it continually tougher. But it's not like we're sp- just because we keep giving him extensions and stuff like that. He's not cutting into our payroll and stuff like that. This isn't like the NFL and stuff like, you know. Right. Absolutely. But um, we got to keep our guys at home. Like, uh, yeah, if we were if we were like living in Iowa and some of those other places, I'd be a little bit more nervous. But then our whole problem has been we no one ever wants to stay home. Right. And we can't beat Iowa. Gotta be Iowa. Yeah, it, it's sad we didn't have a shot with with Wisconsin wounded. We didn't get into a Big Ten title game. I think it's it's still going to be a long while, and I, why would it get any easier now with you know West Coast teams and stuff like that? But correct. And in my scenario of like starting to mix it all up, it doesn't get any better. No. I mean, you're going to get enough teams in there where we're never going to get the scenario where we only get one of the tough three. Correct. Yeah. Which we did for like three straight years. I know. Yeah. It's gonna be uh gonna be interesting to see how it how it kind of shakes out here moving forward, right? Like now that PJ's, uh, you know, COVID crew, right? That got to stick around for seven years are kind of they're they're just gone. Um, what's this team that he's been building in the background gonna look like, and how are they gonna perform? Because they're gonna have to play a harder schedule for probably the next three or four years before they get one of those softer ones put into the mix. If everything stays the same, so. but he sent, he sent more than your average go for coach people to the pros. And I think that's probably what you need to sit in living yeah, rooms with 100%. people. If Tyler and Mo and those guys can, I mean, granted they haven't been like exceptional pros, but uh, Winfield and some of those other guys, if, if, I mean, I think that's what you have to have nowadays. You have to be able to, you know, be able to look somebody eye the eye and tell them that this is a springboard to the NFL, For which sure. again, goes back to the exposure and some of these other things and being put um, in big games and getting them to believe that they can win. But um, it, it'll be interesting to, It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'll continue to cheer for him, and, but I don't want the alternative. I don't want to be one of those just obnoxious, like Alabama, Ohio state fans. These people are ridiculous. And that, maybe that's part of our problem. We'll never be arrogant enough and to like demand that kind of excellence. We'll always be, you know, these Scandinavian, you know, optimists or whatever, and just be like, "Oh, that was great." <laughs> or these Ohio State, Michigan people are just obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not. We'll probably never get there. Unfortunately, um, it's hard. Well, yeah, it takes winning. And they have a ton more money. Like, this is still a money game no matter what anyone says. And it's still only worse probably in, in, in an NIL era. For sure, for sure. Um, got anything else, my man? I know it's getting late where well, you are, so I don't want to keep you up uh, I, any later. It's, it's been good, you know, talking to you. I appreciate uh-huh. that uh, you're you're doing this. And uh, it's uh, one of those ventures that you, you – jump head headlong into it. I'm glad you got the mic. I'm glad you got the, obviously you got the voice for it. 
uh, hopefully we've given enough uh, entertaining story, stories, or I'm sure you'll edit this down a, a little bit. No one's going to sit for two and a half hours and listen to this uh, garbage, but it's a good thing to connect. And even if it's just your backhanded way of, you know, catching up with folks, it's a very crafty, creative way. And I, I miss, you know, I miss you. And I, the, one of the regrets of being out here is that I just don't have my extended family, you know, as, as readily available. And I, I don't make enough money to be able to go back five times, 10 times a year. Uh, not that I like flying, but um, I appreciate you having this opportunity because it had been a while since we since last caught, uh, caught up. Absolutely, dude. Um, yeah. I appreciate you coming on. I, I really do. Like it's, it's been awesome to catch up. I, I look forward to doing this again um, in the nearer future. Uh, not taking so long to do it. Um, I, I, again, I just love chopping shit up with you. You always have, funny takes, interesting takes, provocative at times. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you taking this time. Love you, brother. Miss you, miss you as well. Like miss, uh, you know, gaming, hanging out, all those things. So, you know, thanks again for taking the time. Um, tell your wife, I said, hello, give, uh, give the little, uh, a, a, a hug from me and yeah. Um, take care of yourself and we'll, uh, we'll, We'll definitely do this shit again. Um, Good. Yeah, and everybody listening, appreciate you. Like, share, comment, subscribe. You know, share with your friends, do whatever. Yeah, and until next time, everybody be good.